Cole Shack's Loop Christmas episode at Buddy's House of Horror. It's always with Buddy. Yeah. Always right technical now. issues with Buddy. I don't know what Buddy. He's Buddy. You know, are, just bad luck. Yeah, it's like you're you're like those gremlins at a uh, World War II fighter pilots used to talk about. Oh, the 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 what was the one on the plane? Twilight Zone. That's, that's Buddy. Yeah. Or uh, did you did Buddy? What did you think of the Twilight Zone movie? Did you like the Twilight Zone movie? It's okay. <laughs> I it's really, very okay. I really enjoyed it, man. I, I especially that first scene with uh, Dan Aykroyd, and maybe it's because I love Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters, and I was a kid and I sort of thought he was the same guy at one point. I don't know. It's like, oh, there's the guy from Ghostbusters. What's he doing? And then, I don't know. I really liked Twilight Zone movie. Don't know why. I loved it as a kid, and I liked Scatman Crothers because I loved The Shining and Scatman Crothers. And I was like, oh, that's Scatman Crothers. And then, you know, years later, I find out he was like in Transformers. And I remember I just never put the put the uh, and he was also uh, Hong Kong Fu. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, I don't know. I like Twilight Zone movie though, even though the, you know all the all the stuff. The controversy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what are what is some what are so what else have you been watching, buddy? And I've been trying to watch some Christmas movies here and there. I watched Christmas Vacation the other oh, night. Oh man, what, what's your uh, favorite? What's your favorite Christmas? Maybe this is something to save for the thing. But what's your favorite Christmas movie? I don't know, man. It might be Gremlins. It might really. Be possible oh so, oh so you're hinting oh okay i see i mean i love jingle all the way i don't know if it's a favorite though I, but I'll, I'll go out of my way to watch Jingle all the way and i didn't realize until like maybe a few years ago that they did a jingle all the way too with they uh, did they did it was recent with larry the cable guy and yep. <laughs> santino morella in it of all people <laughs> <laughs> like you're gonna pick a wrestler so big show was in the first one or i guess the giant was in the first one and and you're gonna pick to feel Oh, of course, I guess you got Larry the Cable Guy and Arnold Schwarzenegger's shoes, so maybe that's that's nearly not a good comparison. But you know, if you were if you were to make a a I was thinking about I was thinking about this today for whatever reason. If you were to make like a jingle all the way type movie, like who's your star and what toy are they going after? I thought about that the other day. I feel like modern day. I mean, if you're going off like the action star kind, because like they got they did it with Larry the Cable Guy, which was a bizarre choice. Like if they did yeah. it now with like The Rock or something like that, oh, like, I feel like that'd be a good like equivalent for the Arnold. You know, like well, I'm I don't talking, know. I'm talking about like if you could do it any era. This is like no, oh, any era. I don't know. It's a good one. If you had to do one where they're having to get the the Star Wars toys, they're 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 having to get like this is like seventy seven. Who's who's your lead? That's Darren McGavin. <laughs> Darren McGavin. Okay, Darren McGavin in in uh, what seventy Christmas? Is it Christmas seventy seven? Where they're trying to get the Star Wars toys? He ends up just coming back with a cardboard, but somehow he ends up dressed as Darth Vader, maybe, or who would he be dressed? As? It's got to be. I thought, what's a, who's an action star around that time? Who who's the Robert? Name some action stars from the seventies who are big. The seventies? Yeah, give me a late seventy uh, seventy seven. Who's big? Biggest action star. At the time in the seventies was Bruce Lee. No, nah, well you can't do. I don't know if Bruce Bruce Lee going after Star Wars toys. I mean that would be cool as hell, but I don't know if that'd work. I don't no, know. He, I mean, but well, by the time Star Wars came out, he's dead. True action heroes, Burt Reynolds. Oh, Burt Reynolds. That would be cool. The action. Wait. Um. Well. Okay. Burt Reynolds would have been good. I'm trying to think. I think you. You know your your action stars. From up until 70s and really get into the 80s when you finally got Stallone and Schwarzenegger, really it was Cowboys. Clint so Eastwood. What about Clint Eastwood? Would he be too old? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood would have been in there for sure. But I'm trying which, to get somebody which, like. Way, a little, a little bummed with, with Jim Smith 
you did mention any which way you can with Clint Eastwood. Oh, I didn't, did I? Did I? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, you can correct that in this episode because it'll be. Oh, what John Travolta? That's who we're forgetting. John Travolta. Hey, that's good. Yeah, you just came back in. John Travolta. So John Travolta is going after Star Wars action figures. Okay, and he ends up. What? what? This is good. This is. Good. I, I apologize for making you guys have to come up with this topic. That's a. Good, this is a good topic. You don't like our topic. <laughs> John Travolta? What's wrong with no. John Travolta? What? As as an action hero? No. I'm not even saying whatever, not action, but just a he's a movie star in general. I'm just saying like trying to sure. get somebody from the time. Come on, you okay. can't tell me. Look, okay. this, this is him from the 70s. That you can't tell me that John Travolta right there. You wouldn't watch a movie. I, I don't know if you even saw that. That's not, not as an action hero, no. <laughs> but I'm just no, I'm just saying in general in the movie, like you you changed your parameter, so I'm not really sure who you're talking about anymore. Well, okay, what, what, I'm kidding. What you were Saturday Night Fever? Was Saturday Night Fever seventy seven? That's part. What did was Saturday Night Fever seventy seven? We need to get we need to get back into monsters. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Saturday Night Fever was seventy seven. But uh, if anybody is wondering out there, <laughs> I'm gonna put that in. I've been recording this, so I'm gonna put some. Saturday of this. Night Fever was in when yeah when when I was eleven. <laughs> no, I'm just fine. Just just dump on Saturday Night Fever. I do think I like well, airplane. Saturday Night Fever was a so. great show, especially his the uh, the priest. That was like do you, do you remember? Do you remember much of Saturday Night Fever at all? I remember Airplane more than I remember Saturday Night Fever. Oh, the, no. the well, I can't talk airplane. to you about it then. But it's okay. That's okay, buddy. Welcome once again. To- Hello, it's good to be here. <laughs> To what may end up being marriage counseling between me and Bradley. <laughs> because I brought up Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. John Travolta can't be here. It's, it's like uh, Major League. You oh. tell me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Major League. I don't know. But we're talking about uh, horror Christmas movies. What John Travolta and Major League has to do with any of that? I don't know. But we're here. We're, Random we're thoughts. Rolling. How how many episodes have you guys done? The House of yes. Horror, I've done about 60 or so, but I was on a podcast. Well, I still sort of, we're on a little hiatus, but we did a podcast for like five years. We're in the sixth year of it now, so a couple hundred of those. But, wow. Yeah. Yeah, buddy's a so real deal. So that's, that's not all House of Horror, or that's another podcast? That, it's It was formerly known as Two Nerds of Podcast. We did oh. that for a few years. Um, we're going through a little rebrand right now because we're bringing someone else on. So it'll be the three of us. It's going to be called Brain Damage. But we gotcha. we're trying to start it back up for next year. So in January, we're going to start making them again, hopefully. Don't you have a YouTube channel as well? I do. Yeah, that's where I the podcast ultimately get posted there. Um, on top of other videos that I do throughout the year. Are either of you guys old enough? to to know ryan reynolds first tv show and it was two guys a girl and a pizza place like that literally was the title of the show then it eventually became two guys and a girl or just two guys i can't remember or something like that but they kept changing the title of it was i think it still it's still at the pizza place you didn't really see the pizza place because then it was all about ryan reynolds he was supposed to be the second he was the, the comic relief but then the whole show just really tilted towards him and they made him become a, a physician or in a med school student or something like that. 
And uh, he kind of just took over the whole thing. But we were talking about that the other the other show about how Dr. Smith ends up taking over Lost in Space. Fonzie took over Happy Days. Yeah. And and Miss Emily took over Cole Shack. No, not really. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. What? Did you hear that? Oh, boy. Here he goes. I think the house of horror we're, we're here and it's causing sound effects to go everywhere. I don't know what that was. Uh, if anybody familiar with buddy's house, of horror will hear that sound at the beginning of videos. I believe I don't, I don't know, but buddy, you know, I was going to ask buddy one real quick, quick. And then we're rolling to everything. So buddy, Good. don't you have like one viral video that you have on like one of your YouTube channels that you've talked about? I wouldn't call it viral, but it's definitely done well. <laughs> it's my, uh, the Nosferatu video. Which yeah. There did- was a 42,000, right? Yeah, did did pretty good over on YouTube. I and mean, then yeah, I'm still still riding that train, trying to plug it every chance I get. Yeah, because I remember because I think I I may have seen that before I met you. Because I here's the weird thing, because I remember going to my YouTube and somehow YouTube, you know, has this big memory of what you've seen. And it said I'd watched it before and I was like, I don't remember. But I used to watch like especially when I'd listen to like Cinemasker and stuff, I'd watch a lot of stuff. Uh just just random stuff. I didn't know what a movie was. That's was probably like when I first discovered like how long ago did you put that out? It might have been. That was in 2016. So would have been about five years ago. Maybe I didn't um, watch it. In October, yeah. I don't remember. But yeah, that's 42,000 views. Go check that out. Get him up to, if we all, if all you viewers of Cole's Jack Sleep or our listeners of Cole's Jack Sleep go, we'll, he'll be up to 42,300 <laughs> if you do that. He's going to get to 250 tops. We're, just, we're hoping you're going to pull in we're what Rich Adam that. calls that, that, that fire hose of podcast cash, right? Yeah, because he's, he's going to be shooting at us now because we're linking with Buddy. Well, Buddy, I've already sort of drugged this off the rail, so how about we drag this train back onto the, on, onto the tracks? And do we have any news or anything? I think we do have some news that we want to talk about. Now, that is news, Vincenzo. News. And we are a news paper. We are supposed to print news, not suppress it. Robert, what do you say? You guys have them. I don't. So, yeah, if you want to talk about those... My, my much anticipated Kino Lorber a new Blu-ray Kolshak TV series, but both you guys are are in in possession of them, and it sounds like you may not be the most satisfied customers. Well, so why, why don't we tell people about that? Well, one, I, okay, now not the most satisfied customer. Maybe that's it, but but okay. So first thing, it comes my my case comes broken. Well, I had to, had my tab broke off, but and so my booklet don't really stay in there well. But that's fine and dandy, you know. I'm I'm okay with that. But if I had, what buddy, what did you think about it before I get going on this thing? And start I haven't had that much experience with it. I didn't have any issues with the packaging itself. I do see that your tab is broken on your on your Blu-ray there. I have only watched one episode so far from this because i wanted to see what the quality was like quality is good of the episodes um i like the booklet that comes with it of course with mark's introduction to the series and yeah i haven't had any problems with it it came very quickly i pre-ordered it and as soon as it said it was it came like on release day like back in october but it took me a few months to actually open it up and watch one of the things out of it but so far i haven't had that many issues with it as far as packaging goes I love I love the cover done by Mark Maddox. A really great cover. I think it captures the series. The cover, of course, has the vampire episode, the zombie episode, and then the Ripper on the front. Can't look look. That's a, just a solid cover. Cole Shack, Darren, front and center with the uh, the camera. Mark Maddox did an amazing job. The only qualm I have is I, I hate I hate Blu-ray 
packaging nowadays. And buddy, I know you think the same as me. I used to love those DVD. You could get some crazy DVD pack. And me and buddy have already discussed this. I'm sure or something. But you used to get like I remember getting Reservoir Dogs. It came in like a gas can, right? Or, or I remember the was it Dawn of the Dead that had the cool open up package, the the big sort of package, like the deluxe like special edition yeah. one, yeah. Man, but now I feel like that's just more of a complaint of Blu-rays in in general. general. Yeah, because like even going to like the DVD menu of this, the DVD menu, well, the Blu-ray menu rather is just that picture of Carl that you see on the cover of the Blu-ray, and you see it twice on the Blu-ray because it's not only on the sleeve but it's on the actual case itself, Mm -hmm. and that's the one thing that the DVD version has above this Kino Lobo release. I miss like the animation, like going in and the theme song playing and all that kind of stuff. So this one is much more standard. I mean, it gets right to the point. You don't have to wait for the intro to play and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I just sort of miss, again, that's sort of like the DVD era where they're trying to make it more interactive and fun. Yeah. And I think one thing, too, if you look at this booklet, I mean, this is not the booklet's also another great highlight because let's say you have one, two, three, four five, six, seven, eight pages of just Mark Woodsyak's essay that are, that's amazing. And then even in the back, if you look, he's got all 20 episodes here, all 20 episodes. He has like, it's not even really like a synopsis, but like, for instance, we'll just pick a random episode. Mr. Ring, we talked about that with him. It, it'll say like, here's, it just give a little sentence afterwards. Kolchak's investigation of a deceased scientist reveals project ring, the development of an artificially intelligent and possibly homicidal robot. But them, but them. Some of the other ones, like Bad Medicine, it says it's a gem of a case when Kolshak battles a cursed Native American medicine man who is condemned to walk the earth for eternity, constantly collecting a hoard of jewels. Like I don't know, it's like just, those are just taglines. Yeah, but they're good taglines. If Mark, wrote, no, I mean tag, taglines are meant to be to draw you in. So yeah, I think they're just taglines, you know, versus summaries, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah, but but most of the time, like if you see the Blu-ray releases, they'll just give the episode. They won't really give summaries. But this booklet is really nice, really. And and if you okay, recommend that packaging. I hate I hate the, the these, but that's the Blu-ray in general. I think, and the quality is decidedly better. And and there's also, if you look at it, the commentary, I did the Mark Dwoodziak commentary, amazing. Definitely probably worth the price of admission just for to listen to Mark Dwoodziak for, you know, the, the duration, the 50 minutes, 48 minutes, talk about that. And there's some also a lot of other things like the, like the 14 original TV spots that you can sort of find on YouTube, but they look really great on this. And even the thing with David Chase and the interview with the creator of Stand Against Evil, it's, it's good stuff. I would recommend this. Just, just the packaging. Just know it's not the not like days of old, but maybe I'm just a crotchety old man uh, shouting from his front porch. I don't know if you can be a crotchety old man. Well, I mean, maybe with your beard that that's possible, but uh, you're still just a baby. My goodness, what? So I'm curious though. I'm assuming that the audio commentary is just audio. And we don't actually see any video filmed of these guys talking about it, right? So there's no video of Mark covering this or Rodney or anything like that. It's all just audio. Or is there at least a picture of them? Or how how does that go? It's just the audio of them. Just overlaid audio. Which which is still great. I I was just curious if they were going to do. I'm still thinking of my special edition Lord of the Rings that I have. And you've got, you know, them actually video 
And then I think you can take them out of it. You got all kinds of different options you can do. And and maybe we need to we need to do this another day and go through all of them. And maybe have a more in depth review. I don't know. Maybe we want to do that one day or maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. But but to, to steal Brandley's potential air out of his lungs right now, where he's going to say <laughs> a transitionary phrase that is like. But but we're here to talk about Christmas. So anyway, I'll say that <laughs> we're we're here to talk about the Christmas episode and Bradley evidently has a drink. He wants to highlight. What, what, yeah. what are you drinking Bradley? It's uh one of my astonishing legend glasses. It's called oh, uh, it's, get it's a little Krampus, Krampus on there. Yeah, huh? It was a little bit better mix, but it sort of melted. I've got some, uh, it's similar to the drink I had the other night. It's a little mango rum, a little vodka, a little bit of regular rum, coconut rum. And then I put a little bit of melon liqueur in it. And then I had some red bitters to go on top that sort of sit on top to give it a, a nice red and green hue that's separated. But then I'm going to mix it up and now it's going to turn brown. But I just wanted to just for the picturesque quality, you know, it was very festive for a few seconds, for a there. few seconds until I mixed it because the, if I drink all the bitters at once or I drink all the melon liqueur and oh, and the little cinnamon on top, I don't know how that's going to taste, but I just thought, Hey, you know, cinnamon Christmas, same difference. Very good. Uh, I'm going hardcore uh, water, straight water. Oh, I got the Buddy, good, old, how about yourself? good old H2O. Got to stay hydrated. There we go. Yeah, there <laughs> we go. So we, we know that there is a Christmas episode, so to speak, in Kolshak. So the werewolf episode um, starts with them celebrating Christmas at, at the INS headquarters. And then Carl's able to get the assignment because Tony can't go and, and and I guess that's the scene where Ron's also sick, and uh, you know Tony gets mad about Ron because he's too sick to be able to go on the the the, the trip because he'd be seasick. But there really isn't much to, to say about this Christmas episode for the werewolf, right, guys? Is there a reason why it needed to be Christmas? Because it was just a singles cruise. It was not a it was not a Christmas themed cruise in any way. Exactly. Um, and it's very weird because it aired in like what the beginning of november or november something like 1st, that november 1st it's very and then after that christmas is never mentioned it's just that beginning segment right right it, it almost makes me feel like i mean they still talk about going on the ship and all this type of stuff but it almost seems like this was just shot without even the werewolf stuff in mind like it was just, hey, we need to do something about Christmas. Let's shoot all this stuff. We'll send Carl on the ship, and then we'll figure out the monster later. That probably isn't the way that they did it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the if you had a swinging singles cruise that was going on, you would think it would be decorated to the hilt with uh, Christmas stuff and mistletoe everywhere for uh, Dick Godier to uh, be able to, you know, uh, kiss somebody under the, the the mistletoe or something like that. Yeah, so it's, you know, we talked about it. We're like, well, there's really not a, a true Christmas episode. Obviously, you got Darren McGavin in A Christmas Story yeah. uh, that, that could be done. But that's just McGavin. That's not that's not Shack. So, you know, we, we just started thinking about it. And next thing you knew, it's like, well, we got to talk to Buddy and let's have a horror Christmas uh, special episode. And And I think it fits everything really well. And I did not realize how many Christmas horror stories there are, Christmas horror movies. I mean, there seems to be a ton of them. And, uh, you know, I was just, I just put in a couple Google searches. Next thing you know, I get top 20 Christmas horror films. And maybe I'd seen two or three of them. 
But uh, what are what are some of the ones that you guys, if you had somebody ask you just right off the top of your head, buddy, wh- hey, what's a really good Christmas horror story? Where are you going to go with that? It depends because there's so many different like facets of horror. And when it was coming down to like narrow down which ones I was going to pick, I couldn't even narrow it down to just one because we're each going to be doing a little segment about a film. And I sort of have like a more like whimsical horror pick and then i have a more like serious horror pick it's a fine line i mean you can consider home alone a horror film i mean he's doing some horrific things to those robbers and they were trying to do some horrific things to the house i mean it's all perspective there's so many different i mean we're going to talk about this later on but i consider most versions of a christmas carol horror even down to the mickey mouse virgin i mean there's just so much i horror and Christmas sort of go hand in hand. There's a lot of spooky things about Christmas time. Well, yeah. I mean, think about this, this man entering your house who magically is able to go all around the world to do this. Never mind the fact that we glance over that he's basically only doing it for the Christian houses. That would be the fit, but maybe not. I don't don't know if we have the ecumenical Christmas uh, Santa, something like that. And it, it's all sort of just devious uh, to a certain extent. And, and I don't know. So yeah, I agree with you and, and why it has such a, a bizarrely, you know, sort of sneaky and whatever sort of feel about it. I, I'm not too sure. What do you think, Bradley? You know, the whole Krampus thing, and I know it's sort of maybe played to death at this point, but I, I really love, I always love anytime like TV shows or, or any Christmas movies that, that are like dabbling the horror. And even, so this is another thing that sort of got my mind rolling on this, was like horror-related TV shows that did Christmas specials, or, or not even, I guess not even horror, but I remember like The Office with Dwight. It was sort of like the Krampus. You know what I'm talking about? I, did, I didn't see Bell, that episode. Like, I mean, I, I could see, see it would be bizarre. He was called the Bell Snickle, and he like dressed up like in this, like the fur, this fur suit and his hat, and he'd like beat kids and stuff. It, it was, it was crazy. Like, it was just funny. He just watching him dress up as the bell snickle and like threaten to kill people. Like, I think he said like he'd beat him to death or it's crazy. But the one that I thought of right offhand was the X Files episode, the season five one with it was when I think uh, David Duchovny was going off to film a movie. So Scully was like the main character, and I don't want to get too spoiler. But she was, you remember, she was abducted or whatever as a kid, I think they believed. Is that spoilery? I don't know. This is an old show. If, if X-Files X has been around forever. If, so, if you if you haven't seen it, man, too bad. You're just going to have to go check it out. And, and it's a two-parter where she thinks this this kid, this girl she finds is, a, is, a, is her sister's who had passed away, her daughter. And she finds out that's not the case, but that... I'll just let you watch the episode, and it's a two-parter. Yeah, I I haven't seen it. So Amazing, I, don't know. I love I love it, and it takes place during Christmas. But she's very like, hey, we got to figure out how this one woman who supposedly committed suicide killed herself. Was this her husband who did it? And then there's you know government hijinks, you know all this stuff. Like, this car, he dies right after you know the suspect supposedly dies right after this car drives away that she's seen multiple places. Fun Christmas, not really Christmassy, just Christmas atmosphere. But I really like that. Was there any other Christmas episodes? What What about you, Robert? Is there Christmas episodes of TV shows? Oh, well, I mean, I'm I'm with Buddy on this, and and really, it's it's your one of your picks. Is I mean, um, a Christmas Carol has absolutely terrifying scenes in it. You know, if you're a little kid watching this, 
and you know you see the different ghosts coming i mean number one it's just ghosts so that's going to be kind of scary to set you up and you know and then with jacob marley the way he is i almost said bob marley for a second um (laughs) and uh that's a different baby and you know the other the other ghosts i mean yeah i mean there's certain parts of it and I don't think of that so much as I, as I always like my Christmas Carol story these days is Scrooged. And that's what one of my honorable mentions, but there's some parts in that it's, it's a Bill Murray version of comedy, you know, being mixed in there with horror, like Mark DeWiziak always talks about how comedy and horror sort of you know, are good bedfellows and movies. Yeah. And then there have been ones that I've seen through the years. So isn't there like a silent night, deadly night, Mm-hmm. Uh, film and I, I don't really remember it, but it's it's not necessarily something that I flock to. But I, I have really enjoyed doing my preparation for this and watching the movie that I selected, and then I watched Krampus really all the way through for the first time. I've seen Gremlins, and I watched the uh, series that um, Bradley's going to cover. So I I've enjoyed these takes on it, and it's it's a sort of just a bizarrely almost very message driven in, in some cases way of, of presenting these, these films around Christmas time. So, you know, I don't know if there's truly deeper messages or not, but certainly some of these things we're going to cover do have those deeper messages, which I think you you've hit on something, a movie that you just sort of struck me. It sort of hit me like a wave right now that, that I, I don't even know if it's necessarily a Christmas movie, but it's become a Christmas movie. It's a wonderful life is like, there's to be, it's not there's horror all kinds of horror. Oh, it's just, tragedy yeah yeah i guess that's more yeah (laughs) it's just sort of like you know now thinking about it like man that that could be classified as a horror film if anything you know a horror christmas film that's sort of evolved uh but i don't know that but what's what's your favorite versions that's that got me thinking too favorite versions of a christmas carol besides you know i'll talk about that one later but the one i grew up on was the george c scott version that i always remember and I specifically remember the guy who played Marley. He sort of looked like Mel Brooks. I don't know who played Marley in that. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm talking about? Or I remember, I I'm going to have to. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I know it's not Ma- Scott. It's not Mel Brooks, but I see what you're getting at. <laughs> but he had like the blue powder makeup, and he sort of his jaw. I remember his jaw specifically when he untied the thing and went, and he had just had to put it back. And, and I don't know, man. That was that scared me as a kid watching the George C. Scott one, and then and then death coming and just sort of looming over everything i don't know the george c scott version was my version what about you buddy what what is your version of christmas carol so there's so there's three of them for me one of them is the george c scott one the other one would be i think it's just called scrooge and that's the one with alice r sim the one from the 50s yes yeah and then the other one for me was mickey's christmas carol that one yeah even being as short as it is it's only like 20 minutes it really crams a lot into those 20 minutes one that I never watched as a kid, but I see on the internet that people are sort of championing yeah. it as the best version of a Christmas Carol is the Muppets Christmas Carol, which I have never seen. And people are one. saying people are saying that's the best version. So well, at some point, I'm gonna have to watch that. I think it's not only the uh, people not only say it's the best version, but I think this may be textually accurate. It is the closest to the text of the book compared to the other versions, surprisingly. And the version we cover today is definitely off the beaten path for that. It's just strange to think that a Muppets Christmas Carol is like the closest adaptation of like a George, of, of the uh, Charles Dickens book, though. I don't know. 
But but okay, so so but buddy, I'm putting you on the spot. You got to pick one. You somebody sits down, they say we got to pick one viewing. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna watch one a Christmas Carol. Which version? I'm going with I'm going with Mickey Man. What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the one I grew up. With. My family's a big Disney family when we were younger, so that was the one that was always on. My dad's a big collector of Mickey Mouse and stuff like that, so that's the one that I that I grew up with and. Part of the reason, like you like things, is the nostalgia aspect of it. Oh, so, although yeah. although there's t- quote unquote better versions of a Christmas Carol, that doesn't make it necessarily my favorite version. What about you, Robert? If you got you got to you got to sit down. You said Scrooge is going to be the one that you. If somebody sits down, I, okay. I mean, just 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 my sort of irreverent nature and and loving Bill Murray. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't necessarily <clears throat> say it's for everybody. But if somebody tells me, you know, what do you want to see as your number one? I, I'm going to say Scrooge. Every single time. I mean, the it's, I just think it's hilarious. So that's that's always going to end. I mean, the the scenes he does with Bobcat Goldthwait, who plays Bob Cratchit, yeah. and he starts like doing you know air farts onto his chest and whatever else it is that he does, and all just all the crazy stuff they do together. I love that. You know, I'd never seen that version until last year. You told me about it, and I rented it. Me and my wife watched it over uh, Christmas. And watched. I was like, you know, you know, I missed this as a kid, or I missed this throughout my entire life. So, thank you for for now. I just thank you for letting me discover that. Now I just what was the other show? What what do I have to watch? The the John Ritter thing that I got to watch that you you're gonna make me watch? Oh, Real Men. Got to watch. Yes, Real Men. Real Men with John Ritter and Jim Belushi, as yeah. opposed to John Belushi. It's it's so because it's it's got a very eighties. Uh, there there was a book that came out in the mid to late eighties called Real Men Eat Quiche. Mm-hmm. And it, it was this is sort of like the the birth of the metrosexual and a sensitive man versus, you know, I don't know who else, the lumberjack or whoever's whoever the, the guy is who, you know, the beer swelling dude at, who plays poker and doesn't doesn't treat his wife right. So it's it, that came out and that was sort of a play on that. And John Ritter was always known as sort of a kind, soft hearted person. So he played that really well. But the the way that they do that movie, in the the play that they do back and forth, man, I love it. I think it's just on YouTube. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure because I think when, I, or maybe there's just some good long scenes that are on there. Because I know I sent you some scenes. Have you ever seen that one, buddy? I haven't. No, I haven't heard of it. No. I, I I'd highly recommend it. I mean, it's it's campy. It's it's got everything that you want. Poor poor Jim Belushi. I mean, could never fill the the shoes of his brother. And and I don't think they were trying to do that. His his comedy is a much more you know different kind of way. But yeah, I still I still love me some Jim Belushi and and John Ritter and that is is fantastic. So yeah, good grow, stuff. Yeah, growing up, John Ritter was like my favorite actor. I used to watch the hell out of Three's Company. I was a big Three's Company fan back in the day. Nick at night, eleven thirty yeah. p.m. every night. <laughs> no, like I'm like eight years old watching watching Three's Company and just going over my head that hey, I guess he's the <laughs> I don't know. There's aspects of that that I didn't, you know, Hey, he's the reason he can stay is because like some of the comedy I didn't get till later. Like, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you, so the, the person who played the ghost in the George C. Scott version of a Christmas Carol is actually the guy. And you guys, again, probably don't know this, but he had a series called the equalizer and there have been movies made by Denzel Washington yeah, uh, yeah. where he is the equalizer. And now of course you got, Queen Latifah, who is the equalizer in a TV show. So it's changed hands quite a bit. But uh, yeah, there was a series that was out, actually had 
the uh, bad guy from Karate Kid played his son, and he was in that. I could, I, I don't know. I need to see probably the actual show of whatchamacallit, but he would have been fairly young when that George C. Scott thing came out. And uh, it looks like even the sheriff of, talk about Mel Brooks, but the uh, sheriff in Men in Tights, yeah. Mel Brooks is Robin Hood Men in Tights. He's actually in that George C. Scott. He plays a character named Fred. I don't know who that is. Really? I'm just looking through the cast. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But anywho. Which, uh, there, there we go. Talking about Jason Ritter, his son is actually a famous voice actor now, Jason Ritter. And I was, I was trying to rack my brain thinking of it because he, he was in one of the leads in Gravity Falls, which is one of the best show, best animated shows of all time, Gravity Falls. I don't know. Buddy, did you ever watch Gravity Falls? It's on my list. Jesus. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, man. One of my friend, my friend Caleb's a big champion of Gravity Falls, but, but I don't know. There's something about shows with me where like it's an investment. And I'm much more of a film guy. That's why I like something like Shack the Night Stalker, man. 20 episodes and two films and it's done. Oh, yeah. Like these shows, like you don't know when they're going to end. And when he was telling me to watch Gravity Falls, it was still airing. Now that it's over, it's more manageable because it's like, all right, I know when it, how many episodes I need to watch and how much time I need to set aside. But when a show is still going, it's hard for me to really get invested because I don't know when, how long it's going to run for. Yeah, because but his but his son was a voice actor and he did you know Gravity Falls, but he also did like some. I think his first job was like in the real story of of a Christmas tree, like it was like a ninety one little short thing he like played in that, and he's done some other stuff. I know he's in Robot Chicken, played a reindeer in Robot Chicken. I don't know that was sort of off the beaten path, but I I really love his son as a voice actor, and I love love all the Ritters. I, and his wife was of course the the redhead. What's what's his wife's name? Robert. The uh, she was in uh, wasn't she in Robin Hood Men and Tots? Yes, yeah, and and um, Amy Yasbeth, I yes. believe is her name. I've actually I can't believe I, on... I pulled that one out, but it must have been <laughs> the the close ups of the chastity belt that she was wearing that uh, you know were very impressionable for me. Yeah. I'm trying to look. I could have sworn Jason Ritter was in one of the Alien shows, but I think I've got that mixed up with somebody else. Yeah, so, I, no, I've actually I, talked, I'm not uh, finding him in that. I actually talked to her on Facebook. She interacted with me one time, so you know I'm sort of a big deal. Amy Asbeth, she did, didn't she? Yeah, in that, in that, I think yeah, you got all you got all bent out of shape about that, didn't you? What? It's, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. She was in Freddy yeah. versus Jason, or not her? Jason uh, Ritter was in Freddy versus Jason. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yes, all that. We're going to talk about my selection first. And uh, my selection is a 2010 Finnish movie, N- not as a finished movie, but a movie from. <laughs> although, although Finland. it is, it is finished. It is. Thank goodness, <laughs> it is. It is called Rare Exports. Now, I heard about this one through uh, Facebook and someone I knew from college, and I did contact him directly and beg him to call into the show. And let us know his thoughts about it because he thinks this is one of the funniest movies he's ever seen in his life. And, and I gotta admit, I like the movie. I, I love the, the, the horror aspect. I love the action aspect of it. I love the characters. I barely laughed once, <laughs> barely, <laughs> but I still love the movie. I, I mean, I really do. And it, uh, you know, I'll get into reviews and things later, but so it, it's a 2010 Finnish movie. It's called Rare Exports. 
And it's actually based on two short films that were shot 2005, 2006 by the same writers and directors. And my guess is they just became uh, popular enough that they were able to generate this into a full-fledged movie. And so before I go any further, did either of you guys get a chance to see any of this or heard about it before or seen it? I watched it today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I watched cool. It well, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's good. That's good because, I mean, I, I remember it and, and there are parts about it that really stuck out to me and I've got those in my notes. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think about it because so th- this is a plot summary that I have for it that I jotted down real quickly. A group of Finnish reindeer herders living in the rugged snowmobile traveled Finnish mountains and one herder's son, uh, the pronunciation of this, I'm sure I'm going to get wrong, but Pietari link the mutilated deaths of their herd to a careless U.S. company. And via Pietari, all of them realize the company has dug out an ancient mass grave the size of a small mountain that contains a giant evil Santa. I mean, come on, man. I yeah. just think that is hilarious. Okay, that part's funny. That part's funny, but it just didn't make me laugh when I was you know, watching the show. It turns out that this giant evil Santa is now thawing out uh, while his hungry, naked, Santa-looking, normal-sized elves are going around and killing lots of men as they want to try to capture children for giant Santa that they put in sacks and Santa will eventually boil and eat. That's a Christmas story right there. Uh, Pietari, though, is a little genius, and because he has a plan to save everybody, and capture all the elves. They are able to save the day, and then they send out the <laughs> they send out the elves in boxes as exports to people after they've trained them. So we'll, we'll go into more detail about that. This isn't a a fully complete summary. What did you guys think? If you're so, we, we get the first scene of the the, the people who are there, and they're they're at the the mining site. Let's say. And they're getting ready to do some more blasting. And you see, um, I guess he's an American. I can't really tell if he's an American or not. But he, he gives one of the guys the, the list. It was the things that typically you would do for Santa. You better not shout. You better not cry. It didn't say you better not. But it was like no cussing, no fighting, no lying. It was basically Santa's do-good list. And right at the moment that the guy gives it, the other guy drops like an F-bomb or says it's, you know, effing funny or something like that. And he's like, don't do it. You have to take this serious. And so, you know, and then then we find out eventually through interaction and everything that this guy's talking about. This is this is a archaeological find bigger than the pyramids. And, And you don't really know still what he's talking about until we get some more interaction with the, the little boy and his friend and what's going on with the family life. So what did you guys think about kind of like that opening and seeing this, this other world of Finland and all that kind of stuff? I really enjoyed the open. I mean, you have it right here in the notes that it reminds you of the thing. And I mean, right down to throwing like the dynamite into the hole, like yeah. excavating something you probably shouldn't. And that's yeah. in pretty much every version of the thing. I really enjoyed the just the landscapes that are in. You see them like throughout the film and all that kind of stuff. But really enjoy the setting. Really enjoy the tone of the film. And 
we'll get into it later, but it definitely does have some horror comedy elements to it. But like you, I didn't find it laugh out loud funny. It was just weird sort of situation. I did laugh a couple times, but it's more just like weird implications and situations and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. What do you think, Bradley? Do you think that the, some of that maybe the the language barrier of the writers, maybe that the because I know that the guy, the main guy who plays the Santa is like supposedly I was looking into this. A he was a like a famous character actor or something over there, like a Finnish character actor, I believe. I could be a hundred percent wrong on that, but I think I, I don't know. It, it was real like. It reminds me of sort of like what was the the Trolls two? It reminded me sort of like Trolls two in some aspects, like the campiness, like the it's almost like not taking itself too seriously, you know. Well, I I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I feel like it it was shot almost realistically. Yeah, it was um, shot very serious, but then when you yeah. see some of the ridiculous stuff in it, you're just like, okay, they're self aware, but they're still trying to make it as serious as they can get it exactly exactly well i mean so here's <laughs> this is again i think it's funny haha but i wasn't laughing when i saw it but you know when we eventually get to the scene where the little boy and now you know one of the first things i saw the i thought the first time i saw it is why does the mom have to be dead you know i, I mean i get it so it's just he's he's got this rough life his mom's dead the dad is you know this tough herder guy who doesn't really you know really seem to love his child so to speak or or anything like that but and i guess that just makes him more sympathetic to us when we see the little boy um doing what he does but (laughs) where did he get all the giant historic tomes or tombs about about the historic finnish santas <laughs> like come on man and and they, that i mean that's just kind of like that is sort of like you could see that in a scary movie you know take off of something like we got to consult the books and and just seeing these library you know of uh tons of books come through but anyway that that was probably just my most believe it or not that's my most unrealistic scene in the whole thing <laughs> Really? No, I, I sort of, I tell you what looked appetizing was that food in the, the, the very first scene you're talking about, thinking back about on that, the food in the pouch, like the chips or whatever that was. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I don't know. This maybe just had a lot of things in the, in the kid. I don't know. There's something with that kid. He look he looks, I don't know. He's like a little, I mean, he's sort I, of, I think he, I thought he looked like a baby Elon Musk. Yes, that's what he kind of he kind of did. I think you're 100 right. And I don't even know. I don't even know what Eon's nationality is. It's something Scandinavian, isn't it? Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon. Elon. Yeah. I think he's like South African, ain't he? Oh, is he? Okay, I have no clue. I have no clue. But that's that's just sort of what I thought of him. And I, in my little bit of research I was doing, I did see a picture of the boy now at 15. But he just looks like a 15-year-old version of that little kid. So he still has whatever it is about his his look. It's still there. Now, here's here's one thing that's kind of cool. His father in this movie is his father in real life. Really? So yeah, yeah. And when the and then his uncle is the one who is the main writer of the story. When his, when his uncle was writing it, he was thinking about his his nephew as being in this show. And uh, so that, I thought that was a pretty cool little part about it. And the, so this, the fact that this dad and the son has this relationship, they're able to act out 
And with the kid, he just looks so young. You know, I mean, I thought it was it was still pretty realistically done. And I thought the acting was good. But I still think after, you know, he reads all those books and then what kind of like a a typical thing to do if you're in a really snowy, icy, whatever kind of area is you you would think you'd be completely covered in clothing. But no, this kid sleeps in his little underwear, yeah. you know, and, and then he just has his blankets over the top of him. And when he goes outside, he just puts on those big giant boots and a that jacket, can, you know, handle yeah. like sub-zero weather, but he still has on his undies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I also like the fact that every time you see his dad, like either you see him outside with like the, the pig head sitting up or you see like him with an ax or him like butchering, like it's like butchering a pig. It's like, hey, this guy, I don't know if you realize it, but this guy's a manly man. No matter what, every time he, he's going to have a gun on, like t- even I think sometimes he had two guns with him. He had one strung across his back and he'd be holding one and axe or something i don't know it's it's like very pointed like hey in case you didn't know this guy is a man's man i don't know if you noticed from from the from the way we've portrayed it 100 110 percent and i actually thought because i I love the whittle is that that um tool that he had that sort of axe slash machete Whatever it was, man, that had to be sharp as a razor. He made the that way thing. he he was making those those spikes so, so spiky, incredible. Oh, that would have been dangerous. Oh, wow! So I I was really impressed by that, and I didn't know what he was doing with that pit. I thought he was making the pit for like for some reason. I got it in my head. It was because he thought he already knew about the the little elf guys running around or, but that wasn't the case of it. He thought maybe, I guess what I read about it was it was supposed to be for wolves. Now, did you guys here? Here's the thing. For whatever reason I bought, I bought this. Um, I did not get to hear it in English. I simply read all the subtitles. So I never got to see it. Did you guys listen to it in English the first time or the only time? No, I didn't. No, I did it with the the subtitles. Of course, the the Americans are still speaking English, yeah. and then they have the translation. But no, I, I watched it in the in Finnish. Okay, yeah, I did too. I did too. So, which I love to do. I just I like to hear the accent as much as I can, and and you get a better pronunciation of the names and whatever else. But I really, you, you're right though, Bradley. This this is a group that is hardened. They can live on the land. That that is for certain. And anytime they get on those snowmobiles, even if there's just a, a, you know, a 13 year old kid, they're putting a rifle on their back. You know, I don't know what they think they're going to shoot. Maybe they just never want to uh, stop, you know, miss an opportunity to shoot a reindeer so they can have that as their meat. Um, now, did any of you guys think about, I guess, do you think the fins eat a lot of reindeer meat? It almost seems like it. If these guys are reindeer <laughs> herders, that can't be just made up, right? I have see that I had no idea about that because I I, I don't know I I really had no idea about that. But what and wasn't they trying to like they thought they caught werewolves? Is that that they turned back? Oh, I don't know. I think just just wolves. I don't know. I think, I think it was just wolves, and then I think they like questioned it because they set up the trap for wolves, right, right. and then they ended up catching. What you find oh, out is one of the elves. Yeah. But didn't they think okay, that, that's right? Oh, maybe I just assumed that, that maybe they were, they thought they caught a werewolf that turned back into, I don't know. Maybe I gathered that. I don't know. I, it, I think that would have been a great line. I would have loved to have the little kid say it, you know, something like that and finish werewolf. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> great, great stuff. Now, 
buddy, I believe you are in, are you in like North Central Ohio? Is that where you are? Are you Cleveland area? Or I'm in where Cleveland. Are you? I am in okay. Cleveland, yes. Okay. Have you ever been on a snowmobile? Oh, plenty of times. Well, snowmobiles and more commonly around here is the four wheelers, the quads with the actual wheels, not so much the snowmobiles. We put sleds on the back with rope and get flung in the trees and stuff as kids, you know? So I I lived for a, a few years in Crestline, Ohio. So Crestline was right next to Mansfield. You've probably right. heard of Mansfield. Of course. And, and I do remember when we came back uh, from where I live now to visit some friends, they took us on a snowmobile ride. And, and that still to me is one of the funnest things I've ever done. I love, I love the snow. And, you know, I was just riding on the back of a snowmobile with somebody, but that was a blast, man. So I see something like this and, and kids on snowmobiles and I'm just thrilled already. Um, so that, that was a good setup for me, at least. I don't think I'd want to have to, you know, shoot reindeer in order to, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know about, about that whole side of it. Not that I'm against it, but it, that just seems like they're, they're, they're herd. Uh, that's going to be a natural resource for them. Yeah. But in every movie, you have to like find a, find a, a bar, like a chain link fence and cut it right and go through it. Is, is that like a, every movie, if you find chain link fence, well, we're just going to bypass this no matter certainly what. certainly in the other scandinavian movie that i have our tv series that i have watched which i don't know if you guys have watched the modern take on thor with the teenager that's set in norway that they have a fence they cut there and then no, go off and go do their things that is another one i would strongly recommend seeing it's on netflix it is a great series if you like any it's it's not it's you know marvel's out the window no, don't don't expect it to be anything on Marvel. It's like a, it's like a modern take of it. it. It's fantastic. I love it. Now that's one that I have watched in Norwegian, German, and something else. I can't remember some other language besides just English. Uh, just because I've loved it, I've watched it in different languages. But anyway, my wife walked in and she she's really big on like animals. We just we we've been watching Lost in Space and the horse died. We're just at the where the horse died. And she, mm. she was tore up about that. She said, why did it have to be a horse? That's like my one animal. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And and But when all the reindeer, she walked in with all the reindeer carcasses everywhere. And, and I was like, she's like, oh, my gosh. It's like, just go. Just go now. Run. <laughs> you talk about a lot of reindeer carcasses in this film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, quite a bit. So so that was one of your, at least your most entertaining moments with your yeah. wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, buddy, what about you? What else do you like? I was going to say that the twist actually got me when you first discovered, because like, I was like, okay, they caught Santa, like, what's he going to do or whatever? And then when it's revealed, no, that's not Santa. Santa is actually this giant (laughs) Krampus creature that's frozen in ice. So that twist actually got me. Me too. The scene where all the elves are running through the landscape completely naked. That was the the laugh out loud moment for me, just so many of them in the background. <laughs> How'd you like to be an extra on that set? Because that sure looks like that was set in the snow and you got all these guys running around naked in there. But, you know, it, it was revealed in his research books. You had the thing with Santa's footsteps, you know, in the snow and you could tell it was just footsteps and he's not wearing boots or whatever. But, you know, I, I guess just in general, anytime the, well, I guess the thing I, I loved was the uh, the boy putting on his little protective suit, 
because he did want to be boiled alive and was trying to get his friend to tape like the cardboard to his butt or whatever it was in, in making his little suit. Now his dad just thought he's out, out playing hockey or something like that. So then there never was that great explanation of it, but his, his preparedness reminds me exactly what a little kid would do in that situation. If they thought they were chased being chased or, you know, there's evil elves or whatever that are out there. Cause I seem like, I don't know if I, and maybe I was watching this with kids and running around in the background too, trying to pay attention, but I thought that they were like, Hey, we're catching different Santa Clauses. So they thought the elves were the Santa Clauses, I guess, and didn't realize they were elves. Well, at first they thought there was only the one. Right. And then they, started catching they more. were like, and then you see Santa yeah. is the Krampus that's frozen and they're trying to heat him up with all the ovens they have in the barn just turned yeah, on. Yeah. And then, but yeah, then they train the elves to become the Santas. And those are the, those are the rare exports of their shipping all across, all across the world. And who was, and what about the guy? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. The guy in the Santa outfit, like you see him like with the, aviators or whatever and he's right. like yeah i'm i'm like the the guy that's like i'm the badass or whatever you know is now is he the same one is he the one that got bit in the ear or is that somebody else yeah that's the one that yeah. got his ear tore off yeah yeah, yeah. i mean and, and the fact that they keep using these little gingerbread cookies and like that's their christmas dinner um that he has you know at one point and and then he uses the gingerbread cookies to give to the evil elves so he can get to the helicopter yeah so i i guess what what ends up happening is they want their money back for all the reindeer getting killed and that's why they they take the the evil whatever that they caught and they're like they have them for ransom and then they end up there and then all of a sudden they find out that you know, all the elves attack when they're inside, but that's when they also see the giant Santa and half our Krampus. I mean, it is really, it's a Krampus character yeah. with, with the horns like that. I mean, that actually was kind of cool that, that they made him that way. But, um, so did you guys get that? Um, they cut the horns off of the giant Santa and then they were hauling them out on a flatbed and then they blew up the actual Santa that was in the the ice. Did you guys catch that part? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, but but that end explosion was like I don't know. That was a anytime you have a have a movie that like the, one of the few one, you know when you get down the last scenes, there's a big explosion to end everything. Oh yeah. Well, and, and again, very um, the uh, very much John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, where you've got the whole camp that blows up and you've got all the, the fire and everything that's going on. And, and there were some reviewers who reviewed it the same way. Guys, and, and you know this from, I'm glad you got those Kolshak Blu-rays. Who is Kim Newman? And it, isn't Kim Newman on those Blu-rays as someone who does a lot of commentary? Because I think when I was reading through it, I saw that name and, and Kim Newman is on there. Now, I think from what I can tell either he or she is a reviewer of horror type shows. Novelist critic, critic. Kim Newman. Yep. There you go. On, on the back of the box here. And, and that is someone who rated this uh, particular movie, Rare Exports, very highly. So they liked it quite a bit. Roger Ebert gave it a three and a half out of five stars, but still talked about it in very high praise. That's high um, for Roger Ebert, man. I guess it is. Yeah. You know, so I, I, this could be in closing because we still have other ones to be able to talk about. But if, if you are out there and you want to see, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate 
bizarre take on an in an original take, wouldn't you say? Bizarre, on this yeah. evil Santa, you know, idea. Bizarre doesn't even start to describe this man. <laughs> I don't know. And the, and wasn't it at the end? Didn't they like train the those elves to be like mall Santas? Like. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's why they became the exports, and they yeah. did it all because they wanted to make money off of them. But I loved it how you have the scene, of course, they're cleaning them all off, then they're sitting them on the chairs, but then they have them, like, stroking the little dolls. So I guess it's going to be, you know, them as they would be getting, uh, you know, kids giving their wishes to them. But then the one guy wants to open up the, the box, and he gets, like, poked and chided you know, by one of the trainers, that's not for you. You get back to what you're doing. But I mean, aren't these, aren't these things? Cause the way I see it is these things are going to come out of that box and they're just going to try to eat people. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe they trained them well enough. I, I don't really understand. I guess the, the, the assumption is they're going to make all their money out of it, but I love that ending. Cause you don't really know. It's really weird. It reminded it reminded me honestly of the ending of Repo Man. I don't know why, but I got the same vibe that I got when I saw Repo Man and Harry Dean Stanton and the other people like go off in the car that now has aliens in it or something like that. It just it's just whatever the vibe was, it gave me that. Either you guys remember Repo Man at all? Yeah, I remember it, but I definitely I didn't get the same vibe as that. I, yeah, I it know, just maybe. it just struck me right now. Yeah. Buddy, do you remember <laughs> that at all? I don't, but the um, it gave me like a reverse Indiana Jones vibe because they were all mm. in the boxes, but yes. instead of the boxes being concealed away, it was being exported to the masses. Okay, but I th- I'm with Buddy. I that. love it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I said anything else about it. Maybe I guess we just why don't we just do some ratings, guys? Let's think about that. I'll find mine, but you guys want to give your ratings? Man, I I was I. I don't know how I feel about this movie. I'd give it like 6.5 underwear clad kids out of 10. That, maybe that's not a good, like that's not a good rating. I don't know. No. Six, so that, that's okay. It's, it's a gut feeling. What about, what about you, buddy? Uh, I, I give it six, six uh, bite-sized gingerbread snacks. Out of oh, that's a good one. Beautiful. Beautiful. I gave it 8.9 frozen giant Santas. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I don't know how they exactly do all the ratings, but they've got 9 out of 10, but then they said their aggregate gave it like a a 70% um, favorable score. Well, I will roll on with my picks, and I think I'll go ahead and start with my honorable mentions because this is something I think me and Buddy can bond over, talk about. So You're talking about Santa's sleigh. Santa Slay, hundred percent talking about Santa Slay, buddy. Did you did you watch Santa Slay when you were younger? I didn't watch it when I was younger. It was I think I watched it for the first time in college, and it was kind of just like on when we had people over, so I wasn't really paying attention to all of it. But I mean, Goldberg's a riot. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent that movie. So okay, and maybe we're past the statute of limitations on this. Well, I had a relative who, and I don't know if you had a relative like this, who had a a binder full of burned DVDs that they got legally. Yeah, they got they, they were, yeah yeah they were legal <laughs> burned DVDs if that makes sense. And they had Santa Slay as one, and I had no idea Goldberg was in it. And being a kid, like I probably didn't see it. 2005 ish, 2000. And this is, I think Goldberg might have been on Raw at this time, like doing stuff. He'd actually came back to WWE at this time. But I remember seeing that, like, 
what the hell? Like Goldberg is Santa Claus, but he's like, and then he goes, then I probably shouldn't have seen it. Cause he went to a strip club and I was like, okay, yeah, probably shouldn't be seeing this as a kid, but I don't know. It was such a weird movie, man. Just Santa slay. I don't know. I don't know. That was, weird. I remember it being really short. Cause I remember when we were watching it, like in college, I was like, okay, I'm not really like invested right now, but there's still like more time. And then it was, it was kind of short. Like, I think it's just a little bit over an hour. Like yeah. it's not, that long of a film and yeah it was from like 2005 ish so i'm pretty sure he uh, he might have been gone from wwe at that point i'm not exactly you sure you be right yeah i don't know i just thought that was super weird and i was like you know that was one of the strange ones but something else so you used to go and like my local my local tape store east side videos i used to go rent vhs tapes i still remember this building's still there it's got the crisscross sort of what what's the underpinning that wide underpinning they used to have that in the windows and you would step up and so there was two step ups you'd have to go up a ramp to get in the building and it was sort of like an abandoned trailer that they had sort of turned into a video shop and you'd go and then you had to there's a random step up like in the movie in the movie place and i still remember this and it had that gray looking carpet and it creaked anytime you walked in it but I remember going, and one of the things I remember most is, wh- okay, what was the name? And, and I'm going to wait till Robert. The Michael Keaton film, was that not Jack Frost? So there was the Jack Frost with Michael Keaton, but then there was also the horror film Jack Frost that had come out in the 80s. So I asked my parents about that, and I was like, hey, I, I saw the cover specifically. I remember this cover as clear as day, and it scared me from ever watching Jack Frost. And I was like, this cover, like it had the cover, it was a lenticular cover, and it showed a regular version of Jack Frost. If you look the other way, like the lenticular cover changed like an evil Jack Frost, and that scared right. me when I was like four or five going into the the East Side videos, and I saw the VHS cover. I'm like, I'm not watching that. That's scary as hell. I'm not. I'm staying away from that. It had confused me for years because I thought it was the same film, and it wasn't until years later that they were. I realized they were just called the same thing, and from what I heard on like the internet, that like kids at the time they're like probably kids a little bit older than us like teenagers they would actually rent the tapes and then switch them so then when kids would go and try to rent like the children's version of jack frost they were actually getting the horror film yeah so i ended that sort of happened to me i saw the jack frost the michael keaton film on tv and i went back to rent it the next christmas or something when i was like seven i think on vhs and i rented the scary one no that was that was not fun it's not fun for me. That was not an enjoyable experience. I haven't rewatched that version of Jack Frost ever since, but I specifically, I think even more than watching the film, I still remember being scared every time. Cause I, you know, I would go in that video store every weekend, man. And I would always get the, just the hell scared out of me from that. But that was one of my honorable mentions. Let's see other horrible honorable mentions. Batman returns, maybe the greatest Christmas film of all time. That's not really a Christmas film. Even better than Die Hard. I, can, I consider it a Christmas. It's an alternative Christmas film. Better than Die Hard. Anybody object to that? What? Do you better object? than Die Hard? Oh, Batman, Batman Returns is amazing, man. Come on, dude. That's, you're you're way, you're way off into your comic book land. You 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 can't go Batman Returns as better than Die Hard. It's impossible. Okay, maybe the Yippee Ki Yay MFR. Wrong again, Hans. No, I'm no, telling, I'm, I know. I'm just telling you, Batman Returns. That was the first it's time. A, it's a very good movie. I did a, like it. That was the first time I ever got in trouble for cussing because whenever Catwoman fell off the building into the the big garbage truck, I think it didn't have cat litter in it. She said bastard, and so I walk, walked around saying bastard because I thought that was like cat litter because she landed in cat litter. <laughs> got in bad trouble for that one. She said, 
where did you hear that? And I know wrestling's got me in trouble too. I had to always lie and say, heard it at school. That was always my go-to. If I ever said something bad and got in trouble, anytime I heard my mom say, where did you hear that? I always say school. Always. So kids out there, if you're listening, I don't know who's listening to a show about a 70s television show. If you're listening, if mom asks you what's, where you heard it, you heard it at school because they can't do anything about that. Silent Night, Deadly Night. We, we talked about that. What? Give us a Bradley. Give us a segue. <laughs> no, I'm doing, anyway. my, I'm doing my honorable mention. So, so quickly, okay. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Loved it. Like it's it's a great one, buddy. What I want to hear what Buddy thinks about Silent Night, Deadly Night. So, Silent Night, Deadly Night Two is definitely the more known out of them because of the memes. Are you you're, are you familiar with the Silent Night, Deadly Night? two memes i've only seen the original i've never seen the the, the only thing well if you've seen the original you've seen the sequel because it uses about oh, 40 minutes cycles all the film uh, for, 40 minutes of archival footage from the first film but there's there's a scene in that where there's a guy taking out the trash and uh, you've probably just seen the clip online where he just goes garbage day and then shoots the guy that's from silent night deadly night too <laughs> okay i com- completely forgot about that that was one of the ones though i don't know i really enjoyed it and this one i'm not really familiar with but i just remember it so i worked at i know buddy you worked at a, a movie uh theater i worked at a vintage game store slash we sold dvds and we would have people call all the time and and you know my manager, for whatever reason, thought it was hilarious. They'd, they'd call and they'd say, hey, man, y'all got those P2s in? And he'd say, yeah, man, we got we got copies of P2s. He would keep four or five copies of the movie P2 behind the counter that is apparently a Christmas movie. And they'd come in and he'd say, here's P2. And they meant the PlayStation 2. They meant PS2, but they'd leave the S out and they'd just call it P2s. And so I just remember the look on people's faces when he would hand them a copy of P2 and they would be so fr- Maybe that's a jerk move. I don't know. I, that, the, the stuff in retail that gets you entertained is, is that gets you through the days. Maybe the, I've never seen the film though. That's the only thing I know about P2 <laughs> is that. I, I am so lost right now. <laughs> I don't even know where we are in this conversation. Well, I mean, I feel like. <laughs> Bradley, I feel like you're sitting on the porch, whittling <laughs> and just and just ribbing yarns, man. Make, making like, sharp. Like, okay, yeah. okay. I'll you're, fin- making, you're making your wolf pit. <laughs> I'll, I'll finish it real quick. Eyes wide shut takes place during the holidays. I love Kubrick. Very odd film, definitely. But do you feel like do you feel like that was a horror film? Eyes wide shut. It's got horror yeah. elements. Did that nightmare scene? The nightmare oh, scene is the stuff of yeah. nightmares, bro. Hundred percent. Okay. Maybe that's me. I don't know. No, no. I, I, I didn't. I never got through the whole thing. Really? I tried, but no, I could never get through it. I was just bored. Bored really? to death. Yep. yep. I don't know. Me and my fr- I used to, I got a buddy and we, he'll just come up. He lives in Birmingham now. He'll drive up and I have a projector and he's like, Hey, you want to, he's my, I call him my Kubrick buddy, but we'll watch any movie together. Like we watched, what was the movie that the Joker was based off of. Is it called the comedian? The one with De Niro. Yeah. De Niro. We, he's like, Hey, I've never seen this. And he'll come up and he'll name a movie. It's like a classic. What we just watched the last one. He came up, he came a couple weekends ago, maybe like a three weeks ago. And he said, let's watch Barry Lyndon. So I was like, okay, we'll watch Barry Lyndon. And Barry Lyndon's like a three hour Kubrick film. I loved it though. Not probably not fun for everybody. Love, love, love Kubrick though. Now that was strange with your guy friend, like watching eyes watch shut for the first time. That was a weird. (laughs) I think that that was the whole thing is that there was the controversy 
about Cruz and Kidman who were married. And then they're having these really intimate, bizarre sex scenes. And and so and there was this, this, this air about um, the creepiness of it. Like we didn't really want to see the two of them. It's like, it's okay if you're pretending and you're with somebody else, but for whatever reason, that was like an air that we went through with that movie. But I mean, I don't know. I just, I tried to watch it, but no, just, just never really got into it. But I'll go to my main pick of this, uh, a Christmas, a Christmas Carol 2019. It's, it's a take on Dickens that I think is more horror-esque than anything. It adds a lot to the lore. It definitely takes its own liberties with the story, but I don't feel like the liberties are out of place. I know Robert may have some contention with that. But I, I don't know. Some of the things, like even even like in a, in a Christmas Carol, there's a couple things I look at. Like the ghosts. What are the ghosts like? I thought the ghosts were interesting. I, lo- I liked Marley. I love the weird, like... So they even include like all the Marley sort of section that's not like it's not in the book or anything like the whole the whole like sea of Christmas trees they have. And he goes to the big flame and he's like meeting the ghost. And Marley's sort of like a spectator and all this like uh, we can't change Scrooge. I don't know why we're even trying. And he meets the ghosts as they come. I like the the ghost of Christmas present, wasn't it? That was that was his sister. Uh, I thought that was a real cool idea. And. I, the only one I don't know if I liked as much was the Ghost of Christmas Future. I like the Grim Reaper esque looking design. The guy with his mouth sort of sewn shut wasn't my favorite, I guess. But but everything else I, I really like. The the first the Ghost of Christmas Past who looked I I kept getting Jesus vibes. Was that what they're going for? He had the crown of thorns on. He had like the one sort of the eye glazed over. He looked like he was blind in that eye. I mean, that's the, if you think back to uh, Kung Fu's master, he had the same sort of just cloudy eyes and that is typically uh, glaucoma. I've got some opinions on the ghost too, but buddy, what'd you think about the ghost? I haven't seen this. Oh, okay. So, sorry, so I'm, sorry. I'm, no, I'm very curious to hear about it because I saw all the marketing for it leading up to it. This came out in like 2019. I, it aired on FX and I remember seeing the yeah, yeah. the posters and stuff for it, but it, it sort of eluded me for a few years and I'm excited to hear you guys talk about it and see if I should check it out or not. Oh, I, I think absolutely. Bradley, remind me, what's the name of the lead actor who plays Scrooge in this? He was uh, in LA Confidential. He was the one, he was the, the good cop in that. Not that there really were too many good cops in that. Yeah. Guy Pierce. He was right? in Guy Pierce, yeah. And made made some other really bizarre movie of like cannibalism or something that he made. Anyway, I think Guy Pierce is really good in it. And before you see the ghosts, I mean, there is a big commitment to the phil- the philosophy of why Ebenezer Scrooge is Ebenezer Scrooge. And I think we get that in the original. And honestly, I don't remember a whole lot about the other because I've just seen Scrooged so many times. But you get a little bit of that in Scrooged, too. The, the beginning establishes how Ebenezer Scrooge thinks the way he does. And and I wasn't prepared for the way that it then took the story later that really was a, a, a good sort of a promise from this first part and then a payoff later. Um, for what they did in the story. So although it's kind of, it, it, it honestly kind of bored, it bored me in the beginning when he was just so mean spirited. And the other, the, the other thing that's kind of interesting is Cratchit. If correct me, if I'm wrong, 
never challenges Scrooge in any of the other versions. When they have their conversations, yes, he may ask, hey, I want to get home to my family because it's Christmas. And then he's, you know, um, rebutted by Scrooge and said, no, you have to work, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know of any other versions where Cratchit actually gives Scrooge a little bit for his money and and disagrees with him and even argues with him. Would you say that's that's accurate, Bradley? Yeah, it always seems like Cratchit is like more submissive, like, oh, it would serve a grand if I could get home to my family. And, and you know, Scrooge is like, bah humbug. Which Scrooge said bah humbug in different places in this one than I remember mm-hmm. in the Dickens version. Mm-hmm. I think they just try to make it not, not seem so cartoonish. Yeah. But, but yeah, but I mean, you got the sense, buddy, that Cratchit wasn't such a pushover. And, and that's even backed up later in the story that you can, you, you see his huspa, whatever you want to call it, that he has. To, to the ghosts, I thought it was really interesting the way they absolutely fleshed out, you know, his old boss's character and being the one who then has to come tell him you're going to be visited by three ghosts tonight and and that type of stuff. I mean, it starts with a young boy taking a a pee on the grave of his old boss and the urine somehow seeping through the ground into his grave. Evidently, he wasn't even buried in a casket. I don't, I don't think he may have just been buried in the dirt. I'm not really positive. I think he was in a casket. He was, but I mean, I'm just like, come on, how'd the pee get through? Anyway, so it the the pee starts hitting his face, and that's what wakes him up out of his death sleep. And I think he's like, come on, I was told I could rest in peace, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, the the treatment of him um, by the first ghost. In in getting him to be the one who goes to Ebenezer is just bizarre. I mean, he's dragging him by a horse and carriage at some point, right, Bradley? Yeah, man, he's just like dragging him behind, and uh, I don't know the the backs that whole Marley backstory is great. I don't know, it's it worse. It's the it's worst good. the price of admission to, just for that. But even the fact the toying with the different characters in his life, having his dad come, and you know he's you genuinely see him scared of his dad beating, you know, right. and you see a lot of the past trauma that caused him to be what he ended up becoming, I guess, or, or contributing, contributing to it. Uh, nonetheless, anyway, funny that it's, it's still as far back as since we're approaching, you know, 2022, but it were that this was filmed in 2019 or this was released in 2019, probably filmed in 2018 is they flipped the Cratchit family in having an African-American wife play or African-American actress play his wife. And that I thought was, you know, an interesting flip on it. The, the setting that they have, you know, is in the mid to late 1800s, right, Bradley? Yeah. 1843. Yeah, I so think is the, I think there was definitely some, some parts that the, the addition or the, inference that that scrooge is a kid when he was in boarding home when he's in the school it was sort of like the assumption was made and i'm pretty blatantly that he was his dad made a deal where he would stay over christmas at this boarding home you know like normal the, the boarding school but it's definitely heavily implied that i mean this the way that the teacher acts that it's a, a sexual relationship between him and scrooge as a kid that he's being molested and his sister comes and saves him and 
and pulls a gun on the guy that Scrooge never saw. I don't know. There's there's stuff like that. And then you get to the whole. Well, we can talk about that first. But then you well get, get, to, get yeah get get back to the scene of of him because you know he's he acts unim, unimpressed by all these ghosts and he continues to be this very logical philosophical person who can think his way out of this nightmarish trauma he's going through with these ghosts. And, and until he gets to this point where he's forced to go see the boarding school that he used to stay at. And he says he doesn't want to go see that. But the, the interesting thing is he used to, as a child, evidently read about Alibaba and the 40 thieves. And he would actually make these characters in his book be his saviors and take him away from sort of the horrible situation that he was in. And you still don't know what the horrible situation was. But so the the ghosts transform into different people. So they come as one thing and they transform into something else. So Alibaba now is the person who's taking him back to this memory. And, and, and yes, it is heavily implied that he is molested, but here's the kicker. It's a, it's a deal where his dad pimped out his son to go to this boarding school with all his fees waived just so the headmaster could molest him every Christmas Yeah, and he would never come home. So, I mean, talk about a horrible, horrible situation where the father does this to his son. He's exposed this way. And then I guess either the father, I guess the father died, right? Bradley, he passed away or just yeah. wasn't with him for a reason. And then that's why the, the sister comes and frees him. And, and he never sees the sister. Now that the big reveal is he never sees that the sister pulls the gun and threatens the guy. All he knows is that she took him away and he continues to be this poor, formerly, you know, traumatized child, who grows up with these horrible memories. And I think that is the, the impetus of, of everything of him being such a bad person, but they even play on that to a certain extent where Scrooge then says, you know, okay, I've seen it. I've talked about it. I know it's what happens. And and now what? Right, Bradley? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much like, even after that, you think he would, he's like, you know, do you expect this to soften my heart or whatever? You know, it's, it's sort of like he's still right. closed off. And then you get to this, like, then he starts when, when the ghost of Christmas present or wasn't it present who shows him like the, the stuff he did in the past. And apparently one time and tiny Tim, like, Another thing I thought was cool, jumping around, whenever he's sitting at his desk and he sees Tiny Tim break through the ice, but the ice looks like above his head and he sees him floating above his head like he's under it. I don't know. I thought that was a real cool visual. But there's also a very uncomfortable scene where Bob Cratchit's wife goes and she needs money for the surgery and he's going to give her the 30 shillings or whatever she needs. And he gives her 10 up front and he said, on Christmas Day at four o'clock, come by my place and I'll give you the other 20 if you do what I ask you to. And so it's pretty much a situation where she comes and he gets her to, she's, he, he sort of doesn't say it, but he says, okay, what do I want you to do? And she says, well, I figured you wanted to intercourse in this. And she's very, it's an uncomfortable scene and she disrobes. And then he's like, well, I just wanted to see pretty much. I just wanted to see what I could pay. you know, if it was, if I could get you to do this and to compromise your morals for this. And then he says, put your clothes back on. The money's out there. Just leave. Yeah. Yeah. They're, Buddy, there are these scenes where prior to this, he is writing down these very intricate notes 
on disruptions that are happening outside of his window. Yes. Super meticulous. 11 rotations of, of wheels. How many steps somebody took, how many noises, how many yells, how many calls. Eventually you find out it's a letter that he sends to somebody like a police captain or whatever to clean up his streets and make everything. And so he, he has, again, like I said, this philosophical way of, of speaking about things and almost like a, again, and a, a researcher, then he flips this, this bizarre scene with Cratchit's wife into him telling her, I don't really want to have sex with you. I just wanted to see, because I'm a, a man of research, what it would take to equate what you have to do with me to the amount of money that you're willing to take, you know? And, and so she disrobes and then he's like, I don't really want to have sex with you. I just wanted to find out what it would take for you to do that. And of course it it greatly humiliates her. So I'm, this scene happens before you see the, the molestation, right, Bradley? No, it happens after it does happen after. So it's, it's kind of like you, at some point, his old boss sits down with him after he's seen all the ghosts and, and, and Scrooge is saying like, what's the point of all this? And his boss says, don't you get it? It's about redemption. You know, you with this whole thing is about you being redemption, being redeemed. And you need to just admit that you are wrong. I th- and I th- that's Marley. Right? Par- it's, it's that's partner. Marley saying yeah. that. Not yeah. as, I don't think they're a boss. They're partners, right? Oh, I thought he was those, uh, in the, in the original story. I think in this one, they showed them kind of as partners. Uh, yeah. But I think in the original story, he is his boss who he has modeled himself after. Isn't is that he? what you remember about it, buddy? Uh, they were partners because they, they used to Just be. Partners. Okay. Yeah, it was called like Scrooge and Marley's or something was the oh, original. And then like. Wrong. And some of the versions, like, that's still the sign that's, like, on the door, and it just has, like, the Marley part, like, scratched out of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Take it all back. Well, but then, so it's, we're we're jumping around a little bit here, but but basically, Scrooge says, and this is still when the third ghost is there, and he's observing this conversation that's going on. And Scrooge essentially says, I don't want to be redeemed. And, And you're like, what? Why don't you want to do that? And you, you come to find out, he says, because I don't deserve it. You know, if I'm redeemed by some sort of miracle and all these things come true that I want to have happen, then it's it's only because I'm still such a bad person and I'll, I'll manipulate it to my own advances or whatever, my own causes or whatever. And, and then he eventually says, the only thing that I want, and he's kind of breaking down a little bit, is for essentially he says something about Tiny Tim, right? Yeah, I just want Tiny Tim. I just want him to be okay because the fa- right. the Cratchit family is coming. They're sitting so Marley's sitting against his his stone, and then Ebenezer's sitting against his, and that's when that right. one the one kid. So then that was another thing. So they show this mind collapse, and one of the kids who escaped his whole his dad and his other brothers died in it. And that right. kid, the very first scene, you see that kid coming and pee on Marley's grave. Well, now you see him years and years later coming and peeing on. Ebenezer Scrooge's grave, and that's when they sort of sit and they sit against the tomb, the 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 gravestones, and they're like, you know, he's like, I just want this to, I just want Tiny Tim to be okay, and because you see the Cratchit family come and they sit around, they bring lunch and they eat on, you know, right in front of his tombstone, basically having family dinner, I guess Christmas dinner, right, right, yeah, and so so then partner disappears, the ghost walks away. And then he's looking around and he realizes Tiny Tim's grave isn't there anymore. 
Yeah. So now he sees his potential chance and he goes and runs back and he's, 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 you know, instead of him opening up his windows and saying, you know, what day is it? It's, it's Christmas. I still have time. And, you know, when he goes and asks for somebody to buy him a goose or I don't know what it is hey, that, that, that happens yeah. in the various, various things, but he runs into a woman who happens to be salting some, some ice who, that he has fallen on. And the woman apologizes and says, you know, I'm sorry. Or she's put gravel on it, not salt. But she's throwing some gravel on it to try to get it melted or a better surface for it. And he's like, you've done one altruistic act, you know, that, that doesn't help anybody. I mean, it doesn't help yourself, but you're helping other people. It's like, I finally get it. And so the whole deal, they, they changed the Tiny Tim story, though, into from him just being crippled to him dying because he breaks their ice. Bradley kind of talked about yeah. that. So he runs then and is like, no one's going to fall and, and on ice today. And he puts all this stuff down so he can melt the ice. And it's, I guess it'll be obvious that you shouldn't be on it. And then from there, he just goes straight to the Cratchits. So yeah. different than, you know, the, the way that I would use it. So, I mean, the way that I remember it all. So I don't understand. I, so that was one thing I didn't get about this was why the hell do you need to steal this woman's gravel? And then go dump it on the ice. We're going to go straight to the cratchits and tell them not yeah. to go on the ice. Well, well, because he's it. This is well. This is the day that Tiny Tim eventually, you know, evidently breaks through. Well, just go to the cratchits. So, you don't have to go get the gravel and put it on. Just well, he doesn't want anybody else to break through because oh. now he's doing it for everybody because so, he's such a good guy. Well, I didn't understand that either. They're going to see like a couple. Like it was barely. No, any it wasn't gravel. enough to really break it through. No, I, I don't know. I thought he was going to break through. I did. That's too. what I thought was going to happen. Too. He was going to yeah. make the self-sacrificing thing, and they're going to end it that way. And I don't know, but, but, but here, here, here's the cool stuff. And and buddy, I don't know if our our version of it is encouraging you to want to see it or not. <laughs> but <laughs> but the cool, the it's it's very stylistic. There's absolutely a sense of horror and terror all throughout. The, the the filming of it, the angles, the the lighting, and the sort of the gothic kind of conversation that he has about life and and people just being beasts and this deterministic side and you know where he doesn't see the good in people, he only can see the, the bad, you know, because of all of his past trauma. He finally gets into the Cratchit house, and they don't want to see him, you know, but he like forces his way in and he's very i think he plays this well because you always remember scrooge just being just sort of almost blathering like an idiot because he's not like himself you know because now all of a sudden he's nice and he's trying to say good things to people and whatever else so he he gives money to the family for tiny tim and he does things that help educate the children and he's giving them money just to be better and he knows there was a deal that was struck between he himself and tiny and uh, tiny Tim's mom. When he had done the whole thing about her disrobing is that he had said that if her husband ever quit the job, he would then tell him what his wife did. So he blackmailed her into never revealing the story to everybody and whatever else. But he makes the point of telling Cratchit immediately. If you quit tomorrow, you have my blessing and you may go on. And so they cut to the wife. Yeah. Because you, because yeah, there'd be, when he was at ghost, the ghost of Christmas future, they had shown this Christmas day where he announces, I've got a job paying two shillings more. 
a week and I'm going and everybody's happy for him, but she is just so upset because she knows he's leaving to go do this. And then, so this is him cutting that off at the head, I guess, Scrooge. Right, right, right. But then, so he, he does all these things. He says he's a changed man, but then the wife sees him out of their house in apartment or whatever you want to call it. And when they get outside of that, you know, she says, this is, I'll never forgive you for what you've done. And he, and he says like, that's okay. I don't want to be forgiven because that's the past. And all I can do is be a good person from here on out. Yeah. And it is so, so it's pretty upbeat. You still know that he did this horrible thing to her. <laughs> and then what does she say? Bradley? Then at the very end, you see her sort of peek out and she says, you know, th- thank you for, go- or not thank you, but she's like, Four ghosts, you know, you've done your work, but there's still more work to be done. And then she looks right at the camera and then it cuts to the end. Yeah. So they basically set up that she is somehow, and, and she makes a point of saying after he humiliates her that she is a woman. <laughs> this was weird. <laughs> I'm a woman and I have the, the capability to summon, you know, people to make you look in the rear and see what a wretched, horrible man you are. So theoretically, she's the one who made this curse on him that eventually saves his soul. And he he knows this, right? Yeah. Well, he does because he even repeats it back at the very end when he's saying his yeah. spiel. He's like, you know, maybe even he even quotes her. He's like, maybe even I saw these spirits and they showed me the mirror, the bright mirror and made me see myself, right. like, which is right. sort of a quote of her and stuff. But so so on on Hulu, which we watched. It was roughly almost three hours, this yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that was a commitment, man. What do we know of this particular show and on FX? Did the season just end right there and they never came back to it? Or is there actually more to this? Because that's all that's on Hulu is just this one thing. I'm pretty sure that's all that it was because it oh, was. Oh, what a bummer. Well, I, I mean, you told the Christmas Carol story. I don't know what else they wanted. It sort of got mixed reviews in some ways. I don't know. I, I could see that because, I mean, they set it up like they were going to do something else. Like I think, like she, she was going to continue to mess with him and he was going to pay a price. And I could see that being just the jump off point. And then they go on like Legend of Sleepy Hollow or whatever else where they, they have the initial story and you find out about it and then they move on to another series. But anyway, that's okay. It was very satisfying for me. I I still would highly recommend it. I think most people didn't like, they said, Oh, I don't like the lesson. That's not really a good lesson at the end that he learned. Like he should be, be repentive or whatever. I think that was like one of the big points of contention. I, I, I guess moving on to scores, the Rotten Tomatoes actually has this pretty low. A 52% on the tomato meter overall, I guess, critics. And then the audience score is 57. But I would give this, man, I would give it like, I'd give it a, a 8.8 Tiny Tim Crutches out of 10. I, I went 7.9 Figgy Puddings. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a big thing with Figgy Pudding where they pour brandy over it, light it on fire. That sounds amazing. I've Figgy Pudding's <laughs> probably terrible, but now I want to try that. When you got when you got torched brandy on top of it, it may just be a good thing. Well, you know, I think we have blabbered on enough. Now it's time we to have. get to uh, the, the host of the Buddy's House of Horror himself. Buddy, what about your picks? What do you got lined up for us here? Hello. So I guess I will I'll start like as you did with my honorable mention. Um, I only have one for an honorable mention, uh, and I, I saw it was on um, your list too, Robert. Krampus from 2015. 
I don't know if I would necessarily call it a good film throughout. It's sort of misguided, I feel, at points. I really love the atmosphere. I really love the director. Of course, it's Michael Doherty, who is now in charge of the Godzilla Monsterverse. Yeah. Um, but, but before this, he did Trick or Treat, which is one of my favorite Halloween films of all time. So big fan of his work. But Krampus, I feel like if they would have went more adult with it or went more child friendly with it, no matter which way you go, it probably would have ended up being a better film than what it is. Um, because right now it's just sort of in this weird like middle ground where it's like, do we want to be for teenagers? Do we want to be for adults? Like, just like, what is the identity of this film? I don't know. What did you guys think about it? I think it had had a little bit of an Evil Dead vibe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it was sort of comic booky characters who were killing people, and but then again, you really had, as far as you knew at the time it was going on people who are really getting killed. <laughs> so you've got the the daughter that you think really got killed and then you've got everybody else along the way. I think I think some of the scenes in it were definitely very funny with the the two daughters who were being raised as boys and and the sort of the inside jokes that they had there, the brother-in-law who had the Hummer and then but then still had all kinds of guns in the back of it, you know, like, like always be prepared, Boy Scout, all that kind of stuff. And I was surprised how much I liked it, in all honesty. I've never liked, simply because of the secret life of Walter Mitty, that... Ben Stiller, right? Yeah, ben, ben Stiller. Stiller. And, and the bad guy in that is the 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 dad in this one. I can never remember that actor's name. Oh, Adam, that actor's- Adam Scott? Yeah, so Adam oh. Scott is such a such a, a wiener <laughs> in in Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I've never been able to see him in anything else and like him. Even when he was in the Twilight Zone, the second episode of the Jordan Peele reboot, I had a hard time liking well, him in like, that. That was a good episode. It was a good episode. I just didn't like him. It's just it's 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 just affected me because I love Secret Life of Walter Mitty so much. Finally, though, in Krampus, I got it. I liked him. I thought he did a good job in it. But not to go on and on and on about it, but yeah, it's it's somewhere in between things. And then when we talk about the ending of it, that's a whole nother controversy that at least what I read, people thought about it. And I was a little confused by the ending, too. It's definitely ambiguous. <laughs> yes. Yes. Perfect wording. My, I think you're overlooking uh, Tony Collette in this film. She's also in this. Awesome. Is she really is? I mean, is her character really even all that good at all? What, I'm just saying she's in it though. Like you can't leave out Tony. <laughs> Being Collette. in a film doesn't make you awesome, dude. I've, I'm just saying Tony Collette, Velvet Buzzsaw. I don't know if you remember that. The that was the movie, the Netflix movie. There's a horror film from a couple of years ago, Had right? But I locked her in the. I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's. I mean, people Dives people out. can be underused. I mean, she's a very good actress. And and I feel like she was underused in this. And this particular one, I guess the, the message of this Krampus story is really that there is no hero who emerges out of this group of people who are being victimized by Krampus. I mean, maybe there's the boy at the very end, but he really isn't treated, you know, if you if you take literally what happens to him at the end. So I guess for me, that's why it was hard. No, I, I like Tony. I loved her in Sixth Sense and as uh, the mom in that. But I, I didn't feel like she really did much of anything in this movie. You know, I actually, a Krampus movie I liked 
was there's sort of schlocky, I guess. But the one on Netflix now that's if you look up Krampus, there's one. I think there's like it's it's got more of a schlock to it, but it's got some cool fight scenes in it with with Krampus hmm. and Santa Claus. Yeah, I definitely would check that out. I don't know. There, there's I just I just remember we're, tr- we're actually talking about his also mentioned though. We're not even talking about his main, <laughs> yeah. his main film. So I'm going to go to the ending. I'm going to go ahead and jump forward to the ending. And when you see that the, the boy in the end is dropped into the pit that looks like you're going to hell or whatever, the lava and all that stuff. But then because of whatever it is that he does and takes back his, his bad wishes and all that type of stuff, then he everybody's still alive. He comes yeah. downstairs, but then he realizes that he still gets the ornament that Krampus gives the people to let them know that they need to have the true spirit of Christmas. I think the best thing about this is sort of the beginning where you've got the jingle all the way type of fighting that's going on in slow motion for all the packages. And, you know, when, when they're shopping for stuff, that's pretty cool. And that reminded yeah. me, I guess Zombieland must have had to have taken that from this particular show, but that reminded me of the beginning of Zombieland where they did the slow motion with all the attacks and the things that right, are happening. Yeah. Wait, was Zombieland not before this? No, Zombieland, I think it was after this. I'm pretty sure. This this was 2010. And this was 2015, I think. Krampus? For Zombieland? No, Zombieland. Oh, for Krampus. For, for Krampus. Zombieland's yeah. 2009. Okay. Ooh. I don't know for sure, but so anyway, but then basically you find out this, this picture of this family, you know, kind of like you pan out and then you see they're really just in a little snow globe and the snow globe is actually hanging as an ornament on a tree in basically Krampus's house. And, and then all these other families are basically inside of this. So did this family actually survive? Is is Krampus interdimensional? I mean, what's what what do you get from that whole thing with, with that ending, buddy? I think he's got him trapped. He, right. Once you're under Krampus's spell, and you think because it leads you to think it's like, oh, this is the happy ending, but then the twist is is they're they're trapped in the ornament. Got him right where they want him. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, we went talked a lot of detail, probably in better <laughs> detail than we did about a Christmas Carol. <laughs> that we did on an, on an honorable mention but uh buddy keep going man so my main two so i'll start with the the whimsical one and we'll get into the more serious one because that's the one that takes us back into the loop if you, if you know what i'm saying so gremlins gremlins is probably when i think of christmas horror films or alternative christmas films like your diehards and your stuff like that this is the one that always comes to mind first for me Really, because there's no horror film like it. And like you see something like Krampus, like the villain in that film has like this grand scheme and he's trying to do evil things and like that. But the gremlins, it's very different because the gremlins are just trying to have fun. And there's no, yeah, they're taking over the city and all that, but they're not inherently evil. I would say they're just doing what gremlins do. They're partying, they're smoking cigarettes, they're doing all this crazy stuff on how on Christmas night. Of course, I, I'm a big effects guy. So Gremlins is very high in the list as far as like the effects go. This is, of course, before CG. And you have all these different kinds of Gremlins coming at you, stuff like that. The kitchen scene in Gremlins has to be one of the best 
scenes of all time in a Christmas film where the mom is just going absolutely insane, putting gremlins in the microwave, doing all yes. that kind of stuff. And yeah, I I really love the film a lot. This is another one, I guess, similar to Krampus. It kind of walks the line of being a film for children or for adults. And it was one of the main films, um, along with Indiana Jones Temple of Doom, that implemented the PG-13 rating, which is something Mark DeWiziak talks about in one of his classes, by the way. But yeah, th- I... I love Gremlins, one of my favorite Christmas films of all time. And yeah, one of the, one of the most classic films in my memory growing up as a kid. So, do you, do you think there was ever any intention for an, an an overarching theme for for Gremlins? I always wondered about, I mean, obviously it's like follow the rules is a big one because he he doesn't do the things that the father was told to do and then he passes on to his son you know don't feed him after midnight don't let him get wet you know all, all these types of things so maybe there's one thing there about following the rules and the gremlins are so crazy they don't follow anybody's rules so it all backfires that way but i always wondered if it was just more like you you've taken this thing from this Asian culture and you really shouldn't be taking it, you know, to, to the United States. So you're robbing them of whatever their uh, culture is, their beautiful little thing. And because of that, then you're almost cursed. And and then all these things happen. I just wondered if maybe that ever was something that anybody ever talked about in, in sort of like, it's not like, the, it's not like they're grave robbing I me. Mean, the thing's alive and it's just an exotic pet basically is all that they think it is. But did that ever enter either of your all's uh, images or thoughts about this? It is now. And it's sort of, um, now that you mention it, I mean, before we started rolling, I don't know if this will make the episode or not, but me and your illustrious co-host over there were talking about the Cowboy Bebop remake over on Netflix. And maybe we should just sort of leave these things alone and let them be what they are and stop letting Americans try to ruin everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which, oh, now you talk about ruining stuff, that Death Note Netflix remake? Oh, horrendous. Willem Dafoe's great, but I mean, yeah. come on now. That's about the only thing great about that thing, which I don't know if Robert knows anything about that. but No, I'm, I'm just happy you're um, saying that Cowboy Bebop isn't that good. So, I, I mean, I, 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 it, it has all the elements where you'd think it would be good. But as I watched like the first episode of it, I was like, ah, I don't know. Who, who is the main character in that? That's John, not the Cho. Guy from- John Cho. Yeah, he's so it is the guy from Harold and Kumar. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. His face just looks so hardened. He looks no. old. Yeah. He looks very old. And I mean, it's a different adaptation, but I believe Spike in the original series is supposed to be in his late 20s. And John Cho is certainly not in his late 20s in this, which I, it's 50s. a different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, it, it was just a little thought that I had. And, and I, I had that thought originally when I saw it from the beginning. And I am kind of a big rules guy. So as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh man, they're not following the rules. They're not following the rules. It's going to be bad. You but know. yeah, there, there are some great things in this. And there were only two people in the theater that I was in who laughed super hard when we heard the story that Phoebe Cates told to Zach Galligan. Yes. Maybe that his name? Yeah. Sure. When she talked about why she hates Christmas because her dad was killed in the chimney as he was trying to play Santa Claus. I'm sorry, man. I'm a cold hearted guy, evidently, because me and my buddy who are watching this, we howled (laughs) with laughter. 
We thought that was the funniest thing we'd ever heard just because it was so out of place. Yes. <laughs> it's very out of movie? place in the film. It's like the one serious moment of the film, like out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we were just stunned at how ridiculous it was that they put it in there, but we laughed so hard. And then I then have told that story. I remember I told it to a, a friend of mine in college and he was just appalled that I would have laughed at that because like, I know someone who died in a similar accident. I'm like, Oh my God, like, I'm sorry, man. But who, who thinks do that stuff? Yes. You know, anyway, chimneys are not meant to, to take a full human body down through them. They are not built that way. You know, this reminds me of something else. Buddy might relate with this. It reminds me of like the Amanda Bond show. Do you ever remember like her? There was, Oh yeah. The Amanda show. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually watched that. Her, her, her dad had lost a toe and they like played it up. Like he had a dangerous accident where he lost his toe. And like, that was like a big thing. And he'd fall <laughs> over randomly throughout. I don't know that. It, Cause I saw gremlins after that, after I watched the Amanda show. So it was sort of like that influenced that, but you had, you had a lot of cool stuff. Howie Mandel is, is gizmo in this thing. Did the voice. I thought that was cool. True. And where are you at on Corey Feldman? I've always been like sort of hit or miss on his stuff. I get, yeah, it's sort of hit or miss as well. I like him in Lost Boys. I, I like him in Friday the 13th Part 4 just because the character is absolutely so ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, some other stuff of his just like doesn't hit, but I think he's good in this. Yeah, I, I actually liked him in that quite a bit. I mean, he, they needed to have another little character in there uh, with Zach. And uh, so I thought, I thought he was really good in it. And Gremlins, I'll never, like, there's some scenes like, the, the the chaos and stuff, but I, I always remember for some reason the scene where they're riding up on the the like what is it called the the stair lift thing where they oh when up. they launched the old lady they out of the window the old lady. <laughs> that's like one of the most memorable things from that movie for me as a kid watching it like still to that day like I I anticipate that scene of the old lady just getting launched out of the I need to see this again because now I'm remembering the snowmobile driver or the snowplow driver not snowmobile but the snowplow driver. And then you think maybe he's going to be able to take him on. I think he dies too, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember 100%. But yeah, that's it, it's a good one. And I do think there's certainly tension. I don't know if I ever really felt like threatened or the, the, the characters, if I even cared that much about the characters to really care if they were going to defeat the gremlins or not because to me they were just like really good looking muppets who were running around doing things but i it was it's it's a good movie it's, it's actually a pretty solid movie overall and of course phoebe cates is still just delicious looking so that's that, that there's that <laughs> so moving on to my horrific pick if you're looking for something actually spooky to be watching on christmas um i would recommend black christmas which was one of the first christmas horror films there was also, Silent Night, Bloody Night that came out in the same year. But Black Christmas, what ties this into Coal Shack, it was also directed by Bob Clark, who, of course, directed A Christmas Story. His two most oh. main films that he did were Black Christmas and A Christmas Story, both on the polar opposite spectrums <laughs> of a Christmas film. And it, uh, Black Christmas, the reason why I like it is because it's sort of like an underground slasher film from the 70s like if you're a horror fan you know what black christmas is but if you're like a casual 
person you may not have heard of Black Christmas. And it gets overshadowed by a lot of things. And there's a lot of factors that might have something to do with it, maybe because you don't see the killer's face yeah. in the film and it's never really shown who the killer is. There is a suspect, but it's never like you have your Michael Myers type character, like someone you can really like market. A lot of it is more anonymous. And no, yeah. I th- and I think, didn't the original de- uh, Silent Night, Daily Night come out in 72? And this came out in 74, correct? Am I right on that? So Silent Night, Bloody Night Bloody came Night. out in 72. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Silent Night. It's hard because all these things are the, called the same. Like there's Silent Night, Deadly Night. I think it came out. Christmas I, Evil. There's all these things. It came out in 84, I think. Silent Night, Deadly Night came out in 84. Is that right? Oh, God. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, 84, 84. Yeah. But there was a whole series of those two. But Black Christmas is definitely one of those. Uh, it, it gave me, didn't, it, it seems very like inspired Halloween. I think me and you might have talked about this too in our, in our horror episode. We did the 70s horror episode. When you're watching Black Christmas, you can see how it directly ties into Halloween. Like right even from like the opening, basically, because you're getting like the POV shot of, the killer approaching the house. And that's the same thing that happens on Halloween when it's the young Michael Myers approaching the house with, with the POV. I mean, you, you see its influence everywhere. I mean, this wasn't the first film that was like, Oh, the killer is calling from inside the house. Well, it inspired like stuff like when a stranger calls and like things of that nature. And you can like see its influence, but again, like it's, it's sort of underground um, in the mainstream and yeah, it, it, it's not completely serious because it does have some humorous moments because like, I guess to back up a little bit, it takes place in a, um, a sorority house and there's also frat guys involved in this. and They're doing like a toy drive or something like that from what I can remember. And there's like the the one guy who's dressed as Santa. He's like, ho, 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 shit, or like whatever. He's like not yeah. having a good time. So like there is some funny elements to it. Very low budget, very atmospheric. It's what I really like about it. Because a horror film, it can be... What I look for in a horror film, it's not necessarily if it's scary, but if it has a good atmosphere and it builds good mood, and this film does that quite well. Yeah, and it's Canadian movie is another thing that I thought... Like, oftentimes we think of uh, all these, you know, Halloween taking place in Illinois uh, and, and and all this, you know, just the various things that... Freddy Krueger, where does it, does it take place in Ohio? Nightmare on Elm Street is in Ohio, a fictional Ohio town. Yeah. And then uh and then of course I think the Friday the thirteenth takes place in New Jersey. But but then you have this like the like it's a, like a Canadian horror film. I don't know, something I think it was based off of a the old legend of the babysitter and stuff, but supposedly there's real murders involved, I think, ba- based in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I think they actually had had a series of murders take place there. But yeah, there was like a serial killer in Montreal that was like doing this for a few years in the late 60s, early 70s. And it took sort of inspiration of that. And of course, they did like their own twist on it as well. And yeah, if you're looking for something that's really messed up to watch this year, it's it's a very vulgar film. I don't necessarily enjoy a lot of the the phone conversations yeah. that the killer is having with the girls in this. But if you can get past that, it builds up great mood, great atmosphere, really great film. Um, and you can see how it influenced Halloween and all these films that we would get in the late seventies, early eighties. Cool. What about that cast? Because I'm I'm looking at it. So we're talking about the 1974 film. You guys recognize anybody there from Superman in this? You got Lois Lane in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Margot Kidder is in it, 
And then this other guy who was in one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. John Saxon. Now yeah. that I think about what? it. Yeah, John yeah. Saxon's in it. So John Saxon, yeah. who also is in a Bruce Lee movie. Yeah. As a martial artist who's in there. Game of Death, I guess. Is it Game of Death? No, it's the other one. Enter the Dragon, maybe? Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. But he also played, because Bradley always plays this in our TV segment of the week, he also played the $7 million man once in an episode on the $6 million man. Yeah. If you know that, 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 so anyway, but I know I, I, I love the cast that just taking a look at, I've not seen this and uh, it does look like it's available on at least a couple of the, Oh, and that is, it's the, it's the girl who played Juliet in the famous Romeo and Juliet one that they would actually show to all the kids. Like when we studied this in ninth grade, they showed us the Romeo and Juliet film. They still show and that. So we do they, watched, do they still we show that? Oh, we watched that, yeah. Oh, my God. It's so old. We had the teacher who had it's to go. It's amazing. We had the teacher say, I'm going to go cover the boob as it comes on screen. She's trying to, she missed it completely. Oh, too. no. They they made us watch it. Really? And, and it was like by the penalty of death, essentially. If you said anything during that scene, your butt was taken out. They had the whole ninth grade in the auditorium to watch this. And of course, some Yahoo still said something, and you saw teachers pulling all these guys out. <laughs> no, and haven't. I don't know what happened to them, but this this is back in the day of corporal punishment. So if you did something like that, chances are you got paddled at least three really hard paddles from a counselor who was one of the state champion baseball uh, team members. So dude could hit. So anyway, you're missing back the to most, the story. Well, you're missing the most important cast member here. Who is? Uh, Kier, I don't know how you say his last name. He was the lead in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Kier Dulay. <laughs> the greatest movie the greatest movie ever made. Ever. So. Is it really? Buddy, where, where, let, let's, let's break away here for a second. Where do you stand on 2001 Space Odyssey as one of the greatest movies ever made? I don't know if it's one of the greatest films ever made. It's one of the, I am glad I saw it. It was a fantastic time when I saw it, but I don't know if I'm going to see it again. I saw it I like early college. I was like, all right, this is one of the films you have to watch. And I watched it. I experienced it. It's not one that I, it's not one of my favorite Kubricks. I'm, I'm a shining guy. All right. Um, hey, so. buddy, it's nice to have you, buddy. Good to have you. <laughs> we'll see y'all again on co- <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Oh, fantastic. Well played, Bradley. I, I liked it too. And, but it's something that I probably need to see again, as much as Bradley's talked about it. I mean, I, I love the, I mean, I consider Hal an evil computer, you know, so I, I, I enjoy it, but I, I'm really glad that you picked this one. Cause it is definitely something I'm going to check out. Oh, and, and it looks like there was a remake that was made in 2019 or, or just recently. Right. So there's two remakes. There was one in the mid two thousands and there was one. Yeah. It was either. 2019 or last year even it may have came out i have okay. not seen e- either of the remakes both both uh, are, are are not very favorable 15 percent for the 2006 one and then 39 percent rotten tomatoes for the 2019 <laughs> that's pretty low well is there i'm, I'm gonna uh, jump into this pretty quickly and maybe abruptly is there anything else we want to cover about these particular movies, because, buddy, actually, one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was being one of Mark DeWizziak's students and get get, get <laughs> some, get some info about that. about that. Well, I know. <laughs> and it, we'll have to come back to something like that. But is there anything more that we want to talk about with these uh, any of these movies, guys? Bradley, can you think of anything? Buddy, buddy, can you think of anything? 
I think we pretty much covered. Wait, so you were- so you wrote down? I'm looking at the notes here. Elvis's favorite horror film. So I I I'm not able to confirm this, but I during one of my deep dives into the research of this, it said that this was Elvis's favorite horror film. And here's something that's weird about it because it said that he would watch it every year on Christmas. But of course, this came out in '74. Elvis died in '77. So what he saw it like three, four times. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, that really does. El- Man, Elvis was a strange cat. If you ever look into that, he, have you ever read that some of the books? Like one of his handlers who was with him, he thought I've, he, I've been to Graceland, baby. I have too, but he thought he had magic powers, and and he supposedly a guy broke his leg on a skiing trip, and he and he went over and he. He like put his hands over him, and the guy even pretended like he didn't have a broke leg just so Elvis didn't. That was in one of the books. Now, who knows the? Le- I, I I used to be big into Elvis back in the day. My grandma was, so I, I read all that stuff. But yeah, supposedly Elvis had had powers. I don't know. Okay, okay. I mean, I I think I felt that when I went into the meditation garden, you know, where they had his uh, tombstone. Oh, the jungle room. I definitely felt it. Now, you know, they they misspelled his name on his tombstone, so he's really alive. That's what that means. That's exactly. I've it. heard That's so exactly many people it. say that. I'm like. <laughs> Uh, you know, I got in trouble in the Elvis gift shop because I took a pair of sunglasses that they would sell in there and put them on and they took a picture of me and my buddies took a picture of me. And man, I got yelled at, Hey, we don't do that in here. Wow. wow. What year did you well, go? Just, I don't know, man. We, we I, I just know that the evening ended with us on Beale street in sun studio, cutting uh, suspicious minds with the four of us singing. And it was horrendous. Do you still have, <laughs> Just, do you have that anywhere? Or if you, have, I need to find it. It's it's on it's on a cassette tape. So somewhere it. I think I have it. It's it, it's like I thought I was a good singer. I really did. And then I listened back to it. I'm out of tune. You know, my, I'm not. It's like the pitches are bad. <laughs> and like some of the other guys who I think are horrible singers, they sound great. <laughs> so no. Anyway, okay. well let's 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 get to a little bit about Dewitzy Act then. Okay. So, buddy, tell tell us just just a story about where you went to school, um, taking the class. Did you know about Mark beforehand? And then, what was your your experience being in there with Mark? So, I took both of his classes because he taught not only reviewing film and television, but he also taught um, the vampire course. Mm. Um, and I was in grad school at the time. It was my second semester of grad school and I had signed up for the film reviewing class and I signed up for it because I was making YouTube videos. I was doing these shows and I was like, all right, if I want to be a reviewer, my university is offering a review class. I should probably take this class. Didn't know who Mark was, didn't know anything, but I was in pre-production for my student film at the time, which was called Unlucky. And we were in the casting segment, like over Christmas break. This was a spring course, the reviewing class. And we were trying to find someone for this narrator character. I sat down for the first day in that review class and he gave his first lecture. And I was like, that's him. (laughs) It's like, that's who I want for my film. (laughs) And then from there, took that class. It was very, very informative class. We would write film reviews every week. And a lot of the things Mark was showing in the class was stuff that hadn't aired on TV yet because he was cool. He was the film reviewer for the newspaper at the time. And so he would get like pilots of stuff that was supposed to air like a few months ahead, six months ahead, whatever. And so we would be reviewing the films 
that would later be coming out like the next fall or whatever it may be. Cool. So it was a very good class. He knows how to work a crowd. He always made everything very engaging and stuff like that. Um, We shot my student film over the summer. So I was with him in the summer, got to know him quite a bit over that time. And then I took his vampire course the next year as well, which was an even better course, in my opinion, because it was more what I was interested in being a horror guy. Both classes were very captivating. Mark is a great dude, still a good friend to this day. He's been on my podcast before. I have tons of Mark stories. Again, it could take a whole podcast or a series of podcasts just talking about him. Very eclectic resume. Really great guy. Hey, buddy, were you the person? It's your YouTube channel that has up the Mark Vampire Lecture, is it? Yes, it is. Because oh, it's yours. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank yes. you. I've, I've seen that. Yes. The only way to, so I'm not sure who, it was, I think it was like the Alumni Association or something that filmed it, but it wasn't on YouTube. Like the only way you could see it was like deep in the archives of like Kent's website somehow, like the Alumni Association, something you had to go back. And I was like, I think it'd be easier for people to see this if it's just on YouTube. You can literally just look up Mark Dewisiak Vampire and it comes up because I think it's important. I think it's important to hear these discussions. And I think that it's a good and easy way for people to access it. So I went ahead and uploaded it to my channel. I, I always had the impression that it's him at a, at a library or something like that, giving a book club talk, you know, essentially is, is that, is that accurate at all? That's pretty much what that was. And that's similar to his vampire talk discussions that he does right. um, where basically he'll take the 14 week course and condense right. it into what he says is an hour, but it really ends up being about two, which <laughs> in, in the best way possible. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had not made that connection at all. That's cool that you saw that, Bradley. And I'm glad that you did it, buddy, because it's my, my connection with Mark was just through the, the Kolshak sites and, and chatting back and forth with him and messaging and, and eventually asking him about Kolshak's loop and saying, would you be on blah, blah, blah. I had no idea how easy it would be that he would actually be on. You know, two years later, we get him. But uh, yeah, in, in somewhat in prep for it, you know, I think I was sending Bradley maybe like two or three videos every hour when I first was getting <laughs> into it because it was just like, I just found this and I just found this and I can't believe he says this here and I just found this. I mean, he is such a fun guy. So I think that's great that you got that connection with him. I couldn't imagine just not knowing what he would be like and then just ending up in this class with the uh, things that you're interested in buddy and then hearing the way he would talk that would just blow my mind but yeah we floated out the idea to him the last podcast is like you know this you need to do something about all your experiences as a reporter you have so many stories and he's so engaging when he talks about them and clearly his wife is telling him he needs to do the same thing. So that may be another book, you know, down the road for him. Yeah. I, I listened to your mm-hmm. podcast with him and yeah, that's definitely because he, he's just a cornucopia of stories. Like you can just get him going. And like, I, I guess like you don't know what he's going to say a lot of the times. Like there's so many like stories that like you can like access, like the whole Oprah thing that he just pulled out of nowhere. There's tons of stuff. And he talks about like Harlan Ellison in that podcast as well. And I guess a story from the review class is he shows the documentary about Harlan Ellison in the class. I mean, whether you like the guy, you hate the guy or whatever, he says, review it as a film and review it if you like Harlan or not. So everyone in the class, of course, watches the film and then they turn in their reviews to Mark. 
and Ellison was still alive at the time. I was in the class and he just sort of leaves you with this lingering message at the end of the class. He's like, Oh, and by the, by the way, Harlan looks forward to reading your reviews. <laughs> and I guess he actually sent them over to him. So oh my God. I don't know what he ever thought about it, but I guess Harlan Ellison has read my writing. <laughs> that's pretty cool you know the best thing about mark though you always know you're about to get something good because mark doesn't often pause but if mark ever takes that extended pause and he's sort of looking out into space you that's when you just gotta you gotta hone in because you know there's some good stuff coming because he's about to just drop something on you have, have you seen what i have learned to do in order to get that pause bradley no what's that you disagree with him all you have to do, I mean, with Mark, because he says, I know he's listens to this too. I so say he'll, you're ruining, you, you're he'll probably, he'll probably come back. Secret. And so like, Robert, you don't have to disagree with me. Oh, by the way, I just love my own Dwitsy act that I do. <laughs> but, but yeah, I've noticed on, in the twilight zone, one that we did and a couple other ones after he says something, and I'm not disagreeing for the sake of disagreeing. I just, I just do. And I, and I'd like to, you know, in, enter into a conversation with him about it. And, but when I do that, he will typically, he will get real close. He'll get really close into the camera because he's really focusing on what you're saying. And then, and he doesn't necessarily agree with what I say or not, but uh, I think that's what it is. If you think as a, a well-schooled and practiced professor, and by the way, he is a professor, not that if he's, you know, full professor or whatever else it is, you don't have to have a degree, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, he doesn't like to call himself that, but I think you're not challenged all that much. Like, I don't know, Brett. So that's the thing I was going to ask you, buddy, is were, were there times at all in your all's classes where there was this kind of like give and take in conversations where people did sort of disagree with what he said, or at least had their own take on things? Because it seems like he loves that when people you know, do sort of give their own opinion about stuff. Well, in class, it was sort of a different sort of beast because he wouldn't give his opinion unless you asked. So he would simply teach what the lecture was about, but it wasn't until you say, oh, what do you think about this film where he would really sort of open up about that sort of thing? I can't remember too many disagreements people would have with him in class because everyone in the class similar to me was just sort of like awestruck with like what he was talking about. I remember one time he was like going back and forth with a student about like the Klaus Kinsey version of Nosferatu, but I can't remember exactly what the conversation was about particularly, but I remember there was some back and forth with that. Uh, but for the, mo- for the most part, he wouldn't give much of an opinion unless you seeked it out and he would always stay late after class um as well and talk to people as he would often bring props to the class so he'd always encourage people hey come up after whatever come look at barnabas collison's cane and stuff like that so right 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 oh that's so amazing i would just uh i wish he'd put that online or something like that that would just be killer Hey, I would definitely maybe watch in, that class. Maybe in the world of Zoom now, maybe he does. Does he still teach it, Ken? Um, he hasn't for a few years. No, I mm. think th- I think I I wasn't the last class that he did, but I was one of the last. I believe he stopped maybe two years after I had graduated. You know, okay, what he needs to do. So they have these master course, like it's a whole thing oh, online. You can yeah. be, you can go to a master course on anything. Man, Mark just needs to take whatever the you know, get the paycheck 
record all those and that i mean this needs to be documented man like we can't glean like even what we glean from our interviews i feel like is not enough the, you know I, I don't know there's so much like he he has like like you never and you never know like oh like you wouldn't know that he just interviewed if we weren't doing a cold shake podcast you would have had no idea who would, he interviewed darren mcgavin and went into his house you know all this stuff if he just you just got to get it out of him, but he has so much up there. You're like, you don't know what you have to get out. I don't know. Well, well, that's, that's the, again, of being, being a veteran now, what, at least four different times I've had him on something to, to interview him in my head. I feel like I can somewhat facilitate as I'm making my hands move in a, in a weird way, but I, I can facilitate the Dewidziak. I'm just, I'm deluded. I'm sure I probably can't. No, he's he's just so much fun to talk to. It, it's awesome. Well, cool. Any anything else we can think about, guys? As we're we're moving to that that one a.m. time for oh, Robert. Just curious, what it's actually one a.m. for you for you too, buddy, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so wait, I, I do got one more thing. You're actually singing to it too. Because I love you too much, baby. Join in, Robert, buddy. Why can't you see? Oh, yeah, you're joining. What you doing to me? I can't wake up my whole family singing right now. Oh, my wife probably is. My son's probably waking up. buddy thank you for being on which is exactly what you expected was going to happen you, you mentioned it i probably did wake up everybody in the house but yeah i don't know we had we had in it you mentioned singing if, i thought we were joining I thought this is gonna be a bonding moment Rob. dude if i didn't have if they weren't all asleep right now and i wouldn't get just screamed at by my wife i would have jumped right in with you <laughs> maybe I'm, I a, to, I'm in the same boat maybe I need, well i am too but i just did it so yeah. Well, what's the old saying? Better to ask for uh, forgiveness than for permission. Oh, I hate that saying. <laughs> Why do you hate that saying? Hate it with a passion because because I I am the crotchety old man. I'm almost fifty six, and I have to deal with people doing that kind of stuff all the time. Hey, buddy, will you ever put your like? I don't know if you want it out there. Your your student film because I've I've watched. I'm about halfway through it. I haven't finished it. Probably should have by now. Before we have the thing is, is I need to look into it because I'm not sure if I'm allowed to post it publicly because it's still technically owned by the school, but I'm not sure like with the contracts and stuff like when it would be able. It is available on DVD, but they're like out of print. I think you can still get them through the school, but I would love to get it on even like YouTube for free or like on Amazon prime for free or like whatever. I would love to do that. It's just the legalities of actually making it happen. So, all right, we're going to reach out to Kino Lorber now. Uh, we, we want it on DVD and good packaging. We don't want it in the, in this Blu-ray packaging on DVD. We're going to have a metal container of some sort. I don't know. We're going to have a cool, but what would, what would your special edition of, uh, of unlucky be? We wanted to do a version cause there's a chess master in the film. Um, we wanted to do yeah. a version that, like, at the premiere of the film, we actually auctioned off some of the actual, like, chess pieces we used in the film. So maybe doing something with that, because that's also the main, like, cover of the film is the character playing chess. Or, I don't know, maybe package it with an inspirational quote from Mark DeWizziak. 
Yeah, or or just have Mark Doidziak's hair, like it like it comes in like a a container that looks like his hair, sort of, or a bust of him. You could do a bust, and it opens up, and you got the the DVD with some some special edition stuff in there, some chess pieces and stuff. I don't know, but <laughs> this is gone. I'm sorry, guys. I've, I've I sort of took this thing and. It started off the rails. We got it back on the rails. I think I've gotten it. We're we're we've derailed. It's like the 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 scene in Under Siege two, right? Under Siege two, the Jason Patrick speed version on a boat. What? what? No, sorry, I just mixed a whole bunch of things in there. Dark territory. That was it. That was yeah, it. yeah, yeah. We do we do that, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, I, I need to go see what damage I've done waking the entire house up. Um, see, see how. Of that's course, happening. it was a good time. Of course, anytime you guys want me on, we'll have to cover an episode and talk some more stuff at some point in the future. That'd be be real fun. So, yeah, buddy. Yeah, think think about anything post. Uh, what did we just do, Bradley? Mister Ring? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, Ring. Think about anything post Ring on the, the the order of the Kolchak episodes. Think about that and we'll we'll definitely talk to you about coming on and we'll we'll cover that one together. You got a guess for Chopper yet? Oh I need, I was oh, gonna sh- mention dude, that. Do I was it. gonna mention that. Do it. Because I hate right. Chopper. So I would love to have you in on it. All right. Let, let's let's do it. We've got it booked here. You heard it here first, <laughs> right. buddy covering Chopper. We'll bring on Mark what do you think we brought Mark Dwoodziak on for Chopper too? He'd, I thought it didn't it was a good story. Just it's the headless you. horseman. Why wouldn't you like it? <laughs> hey, Mark, if you're out there, have you seen Vampires <laughs> Lesbos yet? We're still. <laughs> I'm still wondering. Well, well, okay. <laughs> so you heard us talk about that, buddy. The, oh, yeah. this, this, oh, my God, man. It's still anytime I listen back to that episode. I, bring, Vampires I, bring Lesbos. That, I don't know why I got to bring that up. Haven't seen it. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. We, uh, we, we really should. Hey, so we really should uh, stop. Well, buddy, where can, where can everybody find you before we ride off? Yes, do that. So I, the easiest way to find me is I'm just Buddy Candela on Facebook and on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. It's just Buddy Candela. Um, to find my show specifically, I'd be Buddy Horror, Buddy's Horror Show on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, I'm on all the podcast streaming services out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Um, but YouTube's the easiest way um, to get everything, not just the podcast, but the episodes of the show that are actually like video content. Um, it's probably the easiest way to do it. And yeah, that's the the best way to get in touch with me. Yeah, and you can find us at Shack's Loop, Twitter, Instagram, Search us on Facebook, Cole Shack Sloop. Contact us, Cole Shack Sloop at gmail.com. Robert, do you have that number handy? I do not. 662-374-6886. I think that's actually right. <laughs> oh, did you just guess? Did you just guess on that? Well, I looked it up when I was telling the other the other buddy, the guy who told me he loved rare exports. Uh, I think that's actually right. I know the 662-374 is right. 662-374-0778. Not even close. <laughs> On the last four. Uh, well, we've done a Christmas episode with Buddy. And, and Buddy, do you get a lot of elf references like thrown your way? Imagine being my at the age that I was when Elf came out going to the theater and not knowing what the main character's name was going to be. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's just something. I mean, I'm sorry. I apologize. To this to this day, 
every uh, every time someone finds out my name, it's like, oh, what's your favorite color? Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? <laughs> well, see, oh, I, wow. I've almost threw that out because we're doing a Christmas episode with you, buddy. But I thought that's low hanging fruit, but I did want to ask you about it sometime. Robert, what do you got? Do you got anything? Where can they follow you, Robert? Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm here. Uh, yeah, they can check that and they can uh, call me on that and uh, I'll be available on that other thing, too. That's uh, yeah, that's exactly where I am. Yeah, you got a Twilight Zone ep- Twilight Zone podcast, too. I'm, I am. I'm on a Twilight Zone podcast called Entering the Fifth Dimension. And uh, actually in that one, my host, whose name is a sort of confusing alliterative Daryl Darnell. Um, he is pe- he is um, pestered because there is the insurance commercial that now finally came out where you've got uh, the woman talking to him and she calls the the Bigfoot character Bigfoot and he says, my name is Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> this this doesn't matter because Daryl never listens to our podcast. Uh, so, so, so there's Robert's that. But uh, bury him right here, just right here. Yeah, no. If you if you want to uh, check out any Twilight Zone episodes, we are up to I think we're in the 30s now. Uh, for the ones that we did, we came out strong when the Jordan Peele uh, reboot happened, and then we've been covering classic episodes, and we're going to have a Christmas episode coming up pretty soon. Uh-oh. Uh oh. There, oh yeah. There's some good Twilight Zone, and I'm wearing a Tales from the Crypt hat. There's some awesome EC comics tales from the crypt that were very horror, you know, talk about horror and, and stuff. The horror EC comic stuff was pretty good, but buddy, thank you for having on. I'm, I've dragged this out an extra 20 minutes somehow. Cause I tend to do that. And we tend to do that here at Cole Shack's loop, but for all things, Cole Shack, you can find it right here inside the loop where you can't get out. Just say words, and I can splice them together if you say them and, and make them. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Words, words, words. Okay, never mind. Hello, everybody. This is Cole Shack's Loop Christmas episode with Buddy's House of Horror. Wait, were we going at Buddy's House of Horror? Awkward just... power. Aqua, aqua pause. Awkward pause. Anyway. <laughs> what? Did I do it wrong? Well, I thought, I thought we were going to have a Christmas at Buddy's House of Horror, right? Didn't I say it that way? You said with, but I, it don't matter. Whatever you want to say. Either way, it'll, it'll all work. You said you could just put in words. It'll come out in the wash. Just say at one time. At. Oh, what? <laughs> I can't use that. <laughs> okay, we'll just roll. <laughs> we'll roll with it. <laughs> just, I'll, I'll do it again. You, you want to be at or with? What? Well, if it's I like, guess at makes sense. Yeah, if it's, it's a house at of his horror, house of so horror. we're going to be at Buddy's house. Okay, Cole Shack's Loop episode. Buddy's House of Horror. Still didn't say it the way you wanted, but I'm going to go with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Works for me. Works for me. Buddy, see, this is professionalism at its finest. This will be the first step that you'll want to put in your notes about your counseling for Bradley and I.